Hey everybody, this is Robert Ring here with episode 102 of the Classic Game Podcast. Today is April 6, 2018. <laughs> I'm Robert Ring, your host. Here with me today is... Uh, me, I guess. Jay Totoro. Oh, okay. Hey, how you, how you Rob. Doing? How are things? Uh, just trying to be as cool as you. Oh uh, yeah? How's it going for you? Not very well. How confused do you think everybody is right now? I thought I don't think they're confused. I'm confused because I thought you. I didn't know you were gonna do uh, an impersonation intro. I thought you were gonna be like, "Hi, I'm Jay." No, I just wanted. I just wanted that that, That's good. why I said, "Don't laugh." I was just gonna. Oh, I, I got it. See, now I, I, got I got you in it too. You got me. Would you prefer if I just do my own voice? Is that what you want, Robert? I think everybody would prefer that. What Regardless, how are things? What's new? Uh, I've been watching Dragon Ball Super lately. Oh, you like it? It's okay. Like. My daughter really likes it, so we've been I've been watching it with her. I I wouldn't probably be watching it if she didn't want to. But um like it was funny cuz I started watching one episode just to see if it was any good. And I was like, "Hey, do you want to watch this with me?" And she was she watched like 2 seconds. She was like, "Nah." And uh then I was watching the next day I was watching like the second episode and she saw me watching it. She was like, "What's this?" And I was like, "Oh, it's Dragon Ball Super." She was like, "Why didn't you tell me about it?" <laughs> I'm like, well, You're like, I, did. I told you the other day, and then you watched for two seconds and said you didn't want to, and she's like, oh. But, uh, but now, like, she loves it, and um, it's okay. Like, I have the same problem with it that I did with when I tried watching Dragon too Ball slow. Z back in the day. It, not that it's too slow, but it's like, okay, for the next 15 episodes, we're going to be fighting this one particular guy. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, now this... <laughs> Generous. Now so and so is gonna fight him. Now so oh shit, now um Goku powered up. Now let's see what happens now. Oh shit, they both powered up again. Oh shit, they both powered up again. Oh shit, they both powered up again. Like over and over. And so, have you watched uh Yu Yu Hakusho? The what? Yu Yu Hakusho? No, I don't know what that is. So it's like a late nineties, early two thousand anime. It follows a very simple script. It, it's it's pretty good. It, it it's enjoyable at times. But it's so funny because like the last bad guy, like the guy's fighting him and he's just getting split in half by him. And then he finally turns it around, the good guy's winning, and the guy's like, that was only five percent of my power. I'm show you 20%. I'm like, oh Jesus, here we go again. So then go back and he's like, here's fifty percent. Every yep, time that's then, exactly it. Eventually, well what's, what's so funny is he gets to hundred percent. I'm like, okay, at least he's at hundred percent now. And then he's like I'm going to go beyond 130. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, stop. Stop powering up. We that's, get it. That's so funny because that's almost exactly how the like yeah. the first like the um series. Have you watched any of Super? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, you know, he fights Lord Beerus like for the first like 15 episodes. Yeah. And it's, they literally are like, he's like, surely you can power up more than that. He's like, no, this is all I've got. And then he's like. Well, wait a minute, maybe I can't. <laughs> he powers up again. And he's like... You are not kind of like the final arc. And then he's like, this is a little disappointing. I thought you were going to be more powerful than this. Is this really all that you've got? And he's like, well, I can power up to level three. And, uh, <laughs> and then he um, does like... It gets a little cringy sometimes when Goku powers up. It goes like Sonic the Hedgehog mode kind of. And like goes like... Oh, Super Saiyan 3? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, no, I'm not going to hold back anymore. <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, what's so funny is he has more power than that. He just has it, it gets well, like it gets to where he turns to Super Saiyan God, even it just even within that first arc. And he's like, and then he's like, you know, finally 
Lord Beerus just gets tired of fighting and then they go off and it's like just like you said he's like oh that's really funny how you tricked him into thinking that like that was your full power Lord Beerus <laughs> you know? like, the final arc is is like tens of episodes long it's so long oh and they fight forever because it's just a, a tournament so of course it's Dragon Ball Z there has to be a tournament of course <laughs> and, and then and then they fought um I'm on episode like 30 right now and then after Lord Beerus they fought Frieza and it was the exact same thing 15 more episodes of are you sure you can't get any more powerful than that no I, this is as powerful as I can be okay here we go power level three you um, know <laughs> the arc for Frieza is actually pretty decent it's one of the better parts is it? of it I would say. yeah for sure I do like oh, I mean awesome. The animation is really good. The, the like the fighting is, is fun. Like every like it's funny. Everything about the show is really good, except like it just like drags on with the same thing forever. Drags on dragon. <laughs> drags on ballsy. Zzz. <laughs> <laughs> Z, Z. But uh, yeah. So I've been watching that. It's okay. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I've it's watched fun. parts of it. I, I haven't like dedicated too much time to it. I watched it with my my roommate whenever I go to his house. We usually watch it. You uh-huh. just finished it. I saw the last episode. It was pretty hard. Okay. Wait, what you been up to? show's going to go on forever. I'm going to tell you that right now. Is it? I thought I it was ending. I thought it was ending. I thought Super uh, was... Isn't Super no over? Spoilers, so I won't say anything. Okay. But, uh, no, I just... I actually haven't been doing a lot. I've just been working a lot. Relaxing. Cool. I thought I had something else, but I guess not. So let's... Let's blump on into news. Blump? Yeah. You did not just say blump. I did. I said it. So apparently the Chrono... We talked about this a, wh- a little while ago. Chrono Trigger is on... St- oh, it was on episode 100 because I remember... I think it was one of the Extra Lives guys said something about Chrono Trigger being on Steam. And uh, did, have you... Did, well, I guess, yeah, you were there, so you would have heard about it. So Chrono Trigger is on Steam now. Apparently, though, it's not... A, it's, like, not a good version. It's basically, like, a port of a port of a port, more yeah. or less. And uh, just doesn't work very well. And also the graphics are kind of weird. Uh, supposedly they are... They've announced that they're going to uh, go back and add in like the original graphics for the game. That's what I heard, yeah. I was so, reading the reviews on the... I was thinking about buying it and then I read the reviews and people were saying this kind of... I was like, eh, I'm good, I'll just emulate it. Like, <laughs> Supposedly they're going to go back and put in the old graphics. Hopefully that helps things at least some. I don't know if... Sounds like the problems may be a little bit beyond just graphics, but I think that was a big problem. So hopefully that'll help at least. That's sad because some of the ports that have been transferred over to Steam have been pretty well received from what I've seen. The reviews are well, I think it just positive. I think it's just uh, yeah. you know, game to game, it's different. Some mm-hmm. are some are really good, some are not so much. I think yeah, I, could I, be just, wrong. I just don't want people to like get a negative image just because it's one game. That's kind of kind of guess. What I'm <laughs> but uh, like I think Disgaea did a good job. From I didn't I don't remember hearing much complaints about that. I think that was a pretty good port. There have been others that have been not so good. Uh, nothing nothing that I can think of offhand. But I know there are pl- oh oh the uh, Final Fantasy VI was like a basically like a mobile version of Final Fantasy VI. Ooh. So uh, or something like that. It was that I remember there were some problems with that. But anyway, hopefully this will out with that uh the only other thing i've got is uh it is time for uh, the strong national museum of plays world video game hall of fame induction are you serious it's already been another year once again yeah it's been another year holy shit so they have 12 finalists to these are video games that they are going to induct into the world video game hall of fame uh 12 finalists and they're going to select four of them to um 
enter the video game hall of fame. So this will be our we'll do we'll do this for our top five next episode. We'll do it'll like just, it. we'll just do a top four, which four games we would pick out of these out of these twelve specifically. So uh, all right, so here is the list of the twelve finalists. First, we have Asteroids. Okay, you an Asteroids fan? I played it once or twice. Not not really grabbed my attention. I don't yeah. think against it, but not like a. It's kind of how I feel. Out. I don't have any big special affinity for Asteroids. Uh, Call of Duty. Dance Dance Revolution. Hmm. Final Fantasy Seven. Well, it was there. It was on there last year, and it didn't make the cut. Uh, some a couple of these others I think may have been on there last year as well, but I don't remember exactly. Uh, Half Life. Interesting. John Madden Football. <laughs> King's Quest. Metroid. Wow. Minecraft. I thought they already made it in. It, it was it was a finalist Nominated? like a oh. few like a few years ago. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it won a couple years ago. Because like, I think I remember talking about it with you and Blake. Yeah, and, we were uh, super tilted about it. Well, I was super tilted about it. Like, I, I think Minecraft should honestly be in there, even though I don't really care for Minecraft, just because of what a phenomenon <laughs> it has been. Um, yeah, I, would, I think I was just tilted because the other games in there, like, I wanted some of them to. Oh, sure. Yeah. Then we have Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> um, Space War. And I thought this sounded familiar, and but I couldn't remember exactly what it was. Uh, but now I do remember, so I'll just read their description. Space War, uh, members of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Tech Model Railroad Club created Space War in 1962 on a mini-computer. The game featured two starships firing torpedoes at each other, and its competitive aspects helped it to spread from computer center to computer center across the globe. Uh, This early video game inspired the first mass-market arcade video game, Atari founder Nolan Bushnell's Computer Space and helped to launch the multi-billion dollar video game industry. So, basically, this is on here for being a video game in 1962, more or less, which is pretty impressive. Obviously, it's not something that most of us have played. But, yeah, uh, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of wincing right now. I'm like, eh. But, I mean, think about it. These people made a video game in 1962. Oh, it's cool. It's just, I, I, had you ever heard of it? You said you had heard of it? I, I think I had heard of it once or twice, but I definitely don't know much at all about it. I don't think there's really much to know about it. It's I just, guess I should look at their, their qualifications, too. It's... Um, actually, let's see. They've got it here. Um, or maybe not. I'll try to find it, because they do have a description. It's like games that have influenced uh, video games or culture or uh, anything like that. Uh, here we go. The Strong recognizes individual electronic games of all types that have enjoyed popularity over a sustained period and have exerted influence on the video game industry or on popular culture and society in general. Okay, okay and then the last one is Tomb Raider. Hmm. I can see that as well. So, uh, I think they've got really a pretty strong list. Yeah, I think the last couple years I remember thinking like someone like scratching my head, but that... Mostly sounds like a pretty solid list. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I feel like, I, I looked at this the other day and I was kind of thinking about my top four. I feel like I do have pretty solid go-tos for my top four. Uh, at I think least, you and I have different ones, to be honest. Maybe so. Um, I may, um, it, I mean, I can definitely pick out probably like six that I would say, all right, yeah, it's got to be at least 
you know, four, like four out of these six. <laughs> nice. But uh, this okay, so so this will be our list for for next for our top four. Our top five will be a top four next uh, episode. We'll do which of these games we think should be inducted. So uh, so write us in mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Again, real quick, the list is Asteroids, Call of Duty, uh, DDR, Final Fantasy VII, Half Life. Uh, I'm sorry, I said Call of Duty then DDR. It sounded like Call of Duty colon DDR. It's Call of Duty then Dance Dance Revolution, Final Fantasy VII. No, it's combined. Half Life. <laughs> John Madden football. I'm gonna I'm gonna just combine all the rest of them. Then we have John Madden Football King's Quest. Then uh, wow. Metroid Minecraft. Miss uh, Pac Man colon Space War. Uh, and Tomb Raiders all by itself. I'd watch. I'd play that. What? Miss Pac Man Space War. Miss Pac Man colon Space War. That sounds very interesting. You wouldn't want to play Call of Duty Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> this is actually kind of an interesting concept. We could. At some point, mixing top random five game. like interesting titles based on <laughs> based on two titles, <laughs> based, you know based on seeing two things next to each other in a list. Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. All right, um, that's all we got for news. So let's talk about some fucking games. Oh, oh by the way, they announced the inductees on May third. Belted. All right, I'm gonna roll to see who goes first. Oh, look, Robert goes first again. Uh, you go this time. Fuck, the one time I call you out. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so actually, I, I've been playing, I've actually continued my playthrough of Banjo-Kazooie. Um, I haven't had a whole lot of time right now to play too many classic games, so I decided I would just dedicate some more time to Banjo-Kazooie. But I think, actually, I'm going to stop at this point. Um, oh, wow. I continued my playthrough, and it's been fun, and I enjoy certain aspects of it, but... Like any collectathon, it's getting unbelievably repetitive, and it's not really oh, adding wow. new elements. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, you, you, I mean, early on, it was very interesting. You kind of get you, you're working towards getting all these abilities, and the abilities allow you to progress in the game. And it's like, okay, you know, I can keep doing this. Like, new abilities uh, allow you access to new, uh, new levels or new objectives or whatever it may, may be. And at a certain point, I was like, okay, it's kind of cool. Like, I was like, I want to go through every level that I have so far, make sure to 100% them and then move on. Right. Cause you're like, I want to be the, the perfectionist. I want to progress. After like the third or fourth level of doing that, I'm like, this is so grindy. And one of the things you have to collect, if you don't get all a hundred in your path, th- your, your pass through, you have to do the level again and collect that item. Oh, geez. So it's like my first playthrough. I was like of each level, I would just not collect those generally. But then at a certain point I'd be like, well, I could just get them and just knock it all out at once. <laughs> and then I get like 60 or 70 out of a hundred of them. Oh. And then I complete the level, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, not to do that again." So, jeez, <laughs> um, that sounds bad. Super I, I I still really enjoyed the game. Uh, one thing that I really really appreciate about this game is so much Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing calls it animalese, which is like this language where essentially the characters speak, and it, they usually use like one sound, and they just stretch it or make it higher or lower to adapt to the conversation. Wait, can, can you give no? Can you give me an example? I'm not gonna do it, but like, Dude, so like please. if you talk to a sheep character, I'm not doing. Anything. Um, if you're talking to like a sheep character, they may just, they only say ba, but they might say it like higher or lower or like extend it out to fill the flow of the conversation. Oh, so like, if you be like, if you be like, if you say, if you walked up to a sheep and said like, Hey, how are you doing? The sheep might be like, ba, ba. Yeah, exactly. Like like something like that. It's not always like that (laughs) one to one ratio or or two to two ratio, but it's kind of like that in, in Banjo-Kazooie, they did something very similar, but what I love about it is. For instance, one of my favorite things in all levels so far has been the sharks. The sharks, their noise is just the sound of teeth crunching. It's like, <sighs> so when you're talking to him, he's like, <sighs> it's, just, it's so funny. 
and and the music is very uh that's really good kind of ominous and kind of scary when mm-hmm. you when you get usually near the sharks or near the water so it's just funny because he's kind of like communicating with you and he's like <laughs> and they do this with all the characters that you experience like the, the gopher i think i think he's a gopher gopher you communicate with that trains you he has a unique noise and it's just and it's funny and it, it just it, it is very entertaining when the characters are talking kind of it, it adds some value to it and, and the music of course has been pretty true throughout the entire entire game so far wait but, so is this a pretty long game because i feel like you've been playing it sounds like you've been playing quite I, a bit of it and still haven't like finished 10 hours it. so far Wow, how much do you think you would have to go if you if you finish uh, the whole thing? I'd probably guess like twenty hours. I'd imagine. Damn, it, really? It, okay, so it's a pretty big game. While you're looking that up, um, I'm you know I told you that I've been playing Mario Luigi Paper Jam on 3DS. Yeah. And they have like that same kind of talking for Mario and Luigi, where they don't say actual. Oh, really? It's like Italian animalese. Like they don't say actual words, but they'll be in a conversation, be like, "Wait, but Yeah, see, like that. That's <laughs> kind of like it. Yeah, exactly. I'm just seeing a lot of stuff about speed running. So that's not gonna work. Okay. Anyways, Here, um, I'll I look it imagine there's still quite a bit left. If, if you're 100, percent if you're just playing through and just trying to beat the game. You could probably—I would estimate you could probably do like 15 hours at most. I would think. Well, it'd probably take um, me like seven. Not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but when you're trying to figure everything out and, and you're not really accustomed to all the different mechanics and how you can abuse them to get to certain objectives, I'll say, um, it takes a little bit longer. It takes a little bit of thought process. This says mm-hmm. ten and a half hours. You so see, you got like 30 for, minutes for left. <laughs> okay. Well, then I got 30 minutes. Left. No. No. Like I said, I've <laughs> had to do a couple levels over and over again, and finding some items has been kind of tedious. So. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm at nine hours and forty minutes. Okay, that's interesting. Maybe I'm further than I thought. I just expected there'd be quite a few levels, but that could also be just a casual playthrough too. So, who knows? I mean, obviously it's gonna vary. Yeah, but uh, it's it's been pretty fun so far. I I don't think I'll ever play a second one just because I don't know. I, I I've had this itching to play a collectathon for a little bit, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll play another Spyro game. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll play Crash Bandicoot or, or Mario game or something. And then I was like, eh, I'll try Bandicoot. And it was fun, but I mean, collectathons really. I guess I'm starting to get kind of tired of them. There's just it's a it's a it's a formula, right? It's the same thing, generally speaking, sure. across all of them. Right. But I don't know. I, I think there are certain ones that are a little bit more tactful, and you can do some fun things, like Super Mario Sunshine. I think Super Mario Sunshine or 64 is a good example of like one where you can actually do different things to really accelerate your your process, your progress. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so yeah, I think. But yeah, that's this is the last time I talk about it. I think. I'm so. So okay, but a little bit too repetitive. Is what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean it's a collectathon, so I didn't, I guess I didn't really. What was it? What I was thinking, but. Gotcha. Okay, that was brief. Yeah. So I got two games. Actually, I've got like four, but I'm gonna do two this time. Okay. Um, because I did three last time. So, anyway, uh, what we have? I'm gonna save the other two for the next one, and. I played two games, and the first one I'll talk about because I'm super excited about it. I played two very good games, by the way. Uh, the first one really I'm super good. excited about, and you could probably see this coming if you remember one of the things we talked about uh, news-wise in the last episode. I played, finally, The Curse of Monkey Island. And, oh, cool. Uh, I'm super happy about this. Uh, actually, I don't have really? the date when it came out. Yeah, so this is the um, third Monkey Island game. Uh, I've talked about the first two on here, and okay, this came out in 1997. Uh, PC, obviously, point-and-click adventure, LucasArts game, third in the series. The uh, Monkey Island game, the Monkey Island series, of course, is pretty much my favorite series ever. 
Monkey Island 1 is my favorite video game ever. Monkey Island 2, uh, I really like, but it's got definitely got some some not so good parts in it. Mostly it's got some a few like very very difficult puzzles and the game kind of goes on for uh, about 10 hours longer than it should really. But it's wow. still it's still really fun, uh, and it's got like fun story, fun characters, really really neat uh, artwork. And uh, so then this one came out in 1997, a little ways after um, the second entry in the series. And uh, this one also was did not have uh, Robert uh, Robert Ron Gilbert did not work on this game. He's the kind of the creator of Monkey Island, and uh, he had left LucasArts at this point. <clears throat> And so uh, they made this game without him. So he's actually said that he uh, the, the the story of the Curse of Monkey Island is not how he would have continued the series. Interesting. But uh, but it's still uh, they still do a very very good job with it. It is a bit different from well, it's a little bit different from the other Monkey Island games. Not very not very different, I guess I would say. But there are some some things that'll stand out if you are familiar with the first two. The first uh, thing is the graphics. The graphics on this one are much more cartoony whereas the other previous ones are kind of uh, are much more kind of like just like pixel pixel graphics and uh the cartoon the, the the graphics are well done i do prefer the other style of like the first two i just think uh there's a lot more detail and i kind of just like like that style a little bit more in general but uh, as far as cartoony graphics go they they did do a, a very good job with these oh. um this is also the first game in the series to have voice acting, and it's very well done. All of wow. the characters really sound like... I mean, you can tell that they had professional people doing all of the voices. And, they sound uh, like they're in the bathroom. They don't sound like they're in the bathroom. They don't sound like it. they just grabbed you know one of the programmers to say the yep. lines or something like that. Uh, it, it, they sound very, very good. Uh, and then they also... appreciated. Yes. They don't have the typical verb box where you ah. have in the bottom of the screen, you know, pick up, look at, open, talk to, uh, use on all that kind of stuff. They have a verb coin, which if you've played, um, uh, full throttle and there are other ones that use this as well, kind of later on, uh, this is kind of, this is kind of like what a, a lot of venture games kind of moved to. I feel like I could be wrong on that, but I know that there were several that ended up using this kind of later on in the life of adventure games where you don't have all those buttons you basically right click or in this case, in this in this game you actually left click but you click and then it opens up a little uh, a little graphic where it's got I see. like a mouth or an eye or a, a hand do you just like scroll the direction of the action you want to do and let go is that kind of the- uh no but you just you click on one of the things okay so if you want to like you know use the mouth to talk or the eye to see or the hand the to, to use something <laughs> then you just click on that uh and then also, like, the way it works, and this is also true for Full Throttle, if you choose the mouth, like, it doesn't necessarily always talk. It might be, like, if it's water, then you'll drink the water, just like something involving your mouth. So that, that kind of... I was of... drinking water right when he said that. That's so funny. <laughs> so that you're is... like, to drink water. I'm like, uh, okay. So that kind of becomes, like, a little puzzle on its own, because sometimes you might think, like, oh, well, you know, I wouldn't have any reason to talk to this, you know, glass of water. But then you're like, oh, hold on. I'm using, I'm choosing the mouth. I'm not saying talk specifically. I'm choosing the mouth. I'm saying do something with my mouth on this water. So does that give a lot more like versatility to the game essentially then? 
Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I, I, honestly, I would say the other way around. It gives more versatility to the game when you have, you know, like you know, a dozen options of what to do with things. Um, but it, but it does have its own, you know, unique things that that the verb sure. box doesn't have. Uh, I, I I kind of prefer the verb box, but I but that might be Is nostalgia. It due to the number of options. Is that why? I don't know if that's necessarily it. I think it's more just that's what I grew up with. Okay. Um, a little bit of nostalgia holding you to it. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Just um, you're honest. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know that it's necessarily worse or better. It's just different. Um, so the story and the humor are both really good here. Well, the story is, the story is pretty good. It's not like, gonna, you know, it's not like anything in depth or, or anything, but it is very well written for what it is. The, the whole Monkey Island series is, is really just a comedy series. You are this kind of like sort of not I wouldn't say Guybrush Threepwood. The main character is a loser, but he's kind of like. He's not like a heroic character either. And it's gotcha. his goal to become a mighty pirate. And no matter like what he does, even when he does things that you would consider like, oh, that's something a mighty pirate would have done. Like he can't really gain, gain anybody's respect. So that's sort of like the running gag of the series. Very similar to uh, the Space Quest series kind of where you're this janitor who no, ma- no matter how many times he saves the universe, nobody can see him as being anything except for a janitor. Kind of vaguely similar to this, but this is much more well written than than the Space Quest series is. Uh, and, and the 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 like everything you do, there's kind of like a humorous slant to it. Uh, it doesn't ever take itself very seriously. So for what it is, it's written very very well. It has exactly the same tone of uh, of humor as the other as the other games in the series do. So that's something that they really did a good job of keeping, uh, despite the fact that that uh, Ron Gilbert didn't work on this game. They really kept the tone very much a lo- very pretty exactly the same as the, as the previous two games. Hmm. Um, I'm happy you got, got the chance to finally play it or chose to play it, I guess. You know what? I am too. And what I discovered playing this is that I have actually played this game before. And I just do not remember almost anything because there are. Wow. There are a few parts here and there where I was like, I fucking remember this. So, like, I evidently played this game, and I, and based on the parts that I remember, I had gotten, like, three quarters of the way through with it. You didn't finish it. And didn't finish it and didn't remember it. Because there were, so, I didn't remember 90% of it, but there were a few things, and I was like, this kind of seems familiar. And then there was this one puzzle, and I was like, I specifically remember this. So, wow, like, you shouldn't watch a playthrough or anything? No, I didn't watch a playthrough for sure. I, I I remember like doing like a few of these puzzles, and so I don't know what my deal is why I didn't remember it. But yeah, apparently I did play this game. I I did not beat it, but I did play this game at some point. I just somehow like blocked it out of my memory. I don't know why. Cause oh, this is funny. This is a really good game. Um, let's see specifics. Um. So, okay, so, so the story on this one is, so at the at the end of the previous one, you defeat uh, LeChuck, I guess that's Spoilers. a spoiler maybe, <laughs> damn it, but you also defeat him at the end of the first one, so that doesn't necessarily mean Spoilers, damn it, Robert. He's a, <laughs> I'm just blowing it I right kick ass every game. He's a, go, he's a ghost pirate, so, so you can't really kill him. Um... Beginning of the game, uh, through a series of events, you, you, you get a, uh, you, you are going to an island... And uh, Elaine, who is like the guy, or the guy, <laughs> holy shit, who's the girl who you are, uh, who Guybrush is like in love with throughout the series. 
she, he finds her on the island too. This is very, very, very early in the in the beginning of the game, and uh, he, he had you had been on a uh, on a ship that was sinking at one point, and on the ship one of the items that you found that you put in your inventory was a huge diamond ring. So he gets to the island, he sees Elaine there, and he proposes to her, and wow. and uh, she Pick says up. yes, and he gives her the diamond ring and he puts it on her finger, and it turns out it was a cursed ring. And she turns into a gold statue. And so the whole plot of the game is you trying to figure out, is you figuring out how to remove the curse. And then and that's really kind of just like the first, the, the next 15 minutes really. And then after that, doing all the things you need to do to remove the curse. So wow. this involves finding a, uh, a ship, finding uh, pirates that will join your crew. And then going to this other island where you have to do some other things, uh, That's where, cool. where you do the things to remove the curse. Yeah, it's fun, and it's really kind of it's really pretty similar to uh, a lot of the other games. And in fact, I think both of the previous ones also involve you having to put together a crew so that you can get a ship, or you know, having to find a ship and having to put together a crew to go to another island. So it's kind of neat that they follow that same sort of trope of the series. Like, they, they it's you have a different reason. That you're doing sure. it this time, so that they add something new, but it's also fun. It's like, all right, here's here's what you're doing, and yet again, you're going to have to, uh, you know, put together a crew and find a ship. It doesn't feel repetitive. It just feels like, uh, what's that squeaking noise? Oh, that was a cricket, I think. It Wait. sounded like a squeaky toy. My mic's not go. My mic. I don't think my mic was going. Was it? I turned on my sensitivity so you stop hearing shit. But. Oh, that's good. No, I don't. I don't know what it was. It might even oh. was my chair or something. It sounded like I wasn't something. moving, so I was literally. <laughs> it sounded like it was. I don't know what it was. Anyway, um, so that was that was really kind of fun. Um, and uh, let's see. I'm trying. Okay, so some of the some of the like a couple examples 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 <laughs> of the uh, of the humor in the game. It's a uh, burnt toast by chance. <laughs> When you um, <laughs> so when you when you actually when you accidentally turn her into gold, you're like, oh shit! You run off and you talk to a uh, this voodoo lady, and she's she's returned from the first game. I can't remember if she's maybe in the second one as well. I, I would imagine maybe she is. I just can't remember. But uh, there, she's on this island now, and you go and talk to her. And one of the things she asks you eventually is, "Well, where did you hide her after she turned into gold?" And then all of a sudden, Guybrush is like, uh, "I just remember to have to go do something by." <laughs> <laughs> because you literally just left her, on, her. on the beach. No. And oh of course, gosh. and of course you go back and she's gone. So part of it is, you know, is finding her and figuring out how to, how to, how to get her Imagine back. Imagine what he melted her down. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. That'd be morbid. He just gets a bar. And he's like, here's, here's trouble. <laughs> there's one part oh. where <laughs> there's one part where you're on your, uh, once you get your crew together and you're on your ship, that's like kind of its own section of the game. And there's this one part where your pirates start like singing like a almost like kind of like a Disney song, and uh, you can't get them to do anything because they won't stop singing. And every time you talk to them to try to get them to stop singing, they just sing a line that rhymes with whatever you just said to try to get them Are to you stop. Serious? Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of, that was really that was like honestly one of the highlights of the game. I thought that was really funny, and like it kind of becomes its own puzzle because you have to figure out like what to say to get them to stop rhyming along with you. Um, say orange. That's exactly what you do. You you, you really? say a li- yeah, you say a line that ends with the word orange, and uh, it's just one of your options. And when you say that, when then they like try do another line long to that to rhyme along with it, and then they're like, "Oh, I guess the song's over." Uh, and then there's like a there's a volcano at one point that um, 
is is sensitive to high fat foods. So there are cannibals nearby and they sacrifice vegetables to it because they can't sacrifice humans or else it'll upset the volcano's stomach basically. <laughs> and then there's also um there's a uh, there's a salesman throughout the series. In the first it's Stan. In the first game he sells uh, used boats. In the second game he sells used coffins. And then in this one he makes another appearance. So it's, it was really fun to see Stan once again. Uh, they just really did a good job of like Kind of like I said, like bringing back all the tropes of the series, but not just like being repetitive with them. Kind of like doing new things. Uh, the puzzles throughout the game are like really just right. They're challenging, but uh, none of them are like impossible. The uh, like I'll just give you one example of one of the puzzles in the game. There is a uh, um there there are these scissors. You have to get some scissors because there are some like thorns that you have to cut through to get to part of the island. And this one barber uh, has some scissors, but the scissors are stuck in the ceiling. And you're like, why are the scissors stuck in the ceiling? And he was like, oh, you know, that's, I don't remember why. He's like, oh, that's where I like store them or something like that. But he won't give them to you. And you have to figure out how to get the, the scissors out of the ceiling. And you find out that when you sit in the barber chair, if you like go to get a haircut, then you can raise the handle. You can like pull the handle on the barber chair and it'll raise it up. So you have to, uh, but he won't, he won't, but he won't let you raise it up more than once. He's like, oh no, you're getting too high. So you have to figure out like what to like do or how to distract him or whatever so that you can raise the chair up enough to get the scissors. It's that kind of stuff is a lot of the, it's pretty good, pretty fair example of uh, the the type of puzzles that you have to do in the game. There's another one where there's a guy and he has um, a, uh, a map to the island that you have to try to get to but the map is tattooed on his back and he will not join your crew so you have to figure out how to get the map from him even though it's tattooed uh-huh. on his back so that you can figure out so that you can find your way to so the next island or something so, wait no that wouldn't work nope you want to, you want me to spoil it uh, i don't care spoilers gonna... spoilers for this puzzle you have to uh find there's there's oil there's some cooking oil somewhere which is its own puzzle that you have to f- figure out how to get this oil and you go, and he's, he's like laying out in the sun. You pour the oil on his back, and then he gets really badly sunburned, and then you peel it off of his back. That's fucking disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's really gross. And every time they show the map, it's like really like limp and like hanging. It's, uh, it's pretty gross. That's so gross. Um, so, so those are the types of puzzles. Very different from, uh, well, not very different. Much more uh, reasonable than Monkey Island 2, where they really kind of went off the rails on a few of them and just made some very difficult stuff that's on, on some of them just like kind of like ass, borderline asinine. Uh, they really rein it in here. They're not too easy, not too hard. I got through most of them fairly quickly, but I think that's just because I played so many of these games that I could kind of like see like, oh, I see what they're doing here. Uh, I'm, I was, I'm kind of like used to, to following like the type of logic of these games, you know, where, uh, you kind of like see what sort of riddles are going for and a lot of stuff is really, Oh, okay. I see what this is probably for. You can kind of like see a few steps ahead in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the puzzles are fantastic. They did bring back sword fighting in this game, which was sword fighting in monkey Island one was a good idea, but it was not executed well to, to, Sword fighting in Monkey Island 1 consists of um, you're sword fighting, but you win the sword fight by insulting each other. 
And whoever does the best insults wins the sword fight. And you have to have comebacks to everybody's insults. So, like, if you have comebacks to every insult the uh, a pirate says to you while you're sword fighting, then you win. And if you have insults that uh, they don't have comebacks for, then you win. And it goes the other way, too. You, if they, like, say a an insult, but you don't have a good comeback for it, then, uh, like, after a couple times, they do that, like, two or three times and you lose. So what you have to do is fight, keep fighting pirates so you can learn uh, the comebacks to each individual insult. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and it's just as bad as it sounds. It really becomes uh, monotonous because you just, I was gonna you're, say, yeah. it's, it's, you're grinding. You're literally grinding by walking around, finding as many pirates as you can, saying the insults that you don't know the comebacks for so that maybe they'll have one, and then it just takes forever. This game has the same thing at one point, but it actually somehow it doesn't uh, it's not nearly as monotonous as it is in the first one. I think it's because you gain all of the insults much quick, much more uh, quickly. And uh, or actually, I think that's really what it comes down to is you get all the insults and comebacks a whole lot quicker you don't have to spend a whole lot of time. A lot, another problem was in the first one, like a lot of times you would find a, a new pi- you would find a pirate and say an insult to him so you can learn the comeback, but he wouldn't know it either. So then you would just win and then have to go find somebody else and say the same thing. Whereas this one really cuts down on a lot of that. It's not a fantastic part of the game, but it's it's a pretty short it, the whole this whole part of the game takes maybe 30 45 minutes. And then you're back to the to the typical rest of the puzzles of the game. So they did a. It's it's not great, but they did a much better job with it, and it's and it's and it's pretty short. Um, the whole game I think took me. I don't know, maybe fifteen hours. Oh wow! Okay. Actually, I might pull it up and see in a few minutes. But yeah, it's it's not super long. Fifteen, maybe twenty, but I would say twenty is probably pushing it. Whereas Monkey Island Two is like a forty-hour game. Oh. It's it's That's a full game. It's way too long. Um, everything is fun about this game. I absolutely love it. It is, uh, 100% better than Monkey Island 2. I really, really like Monkey Island 2. It does have some flaws, but I still really enjoy it. I have to say, objectively speaking, this is definitely a better game. And I, and I might like this one even more than Monkey Island 2 as well. I still, Monkey Island 1 is still my favorite. This was probably have to be my second favorite in the series at this point. Um... One final thing, there is one character. Uh, so, so when you get to this first, when you're on this first island where you accidentally turn Elaine into the gold statue and all that, and you're trying to find uh, pirates to join your crew, there's the barber shop that I told you about, mm-hmm. and there are three pirates that work in the barber shop. They decided that, uh, like, I don't remember, like, barber shop is more lucrative than being pirates or something like that. So they started a barber shop, and uh, these are the pirates that you're trying to f- to get to join your crew. And one of them, he's like a Scottish pirate, basically. He, like, wears a kilt, and he has a very heavily Scottish accent. And he sounds 190% like Scrooge McDuck. What? And, you know, like... How does that add up? Well, like, Scrooge McDuck doesn't have, like, a duck voice. He's got purely a Scottish voice, you know? Oh, I guess that's true. Okay, I was picturing differently. No, it's not like Donald Duck. If you if you pull up like a video of Scrooge McDuck, like he talks like a normal person, just with a very heavily Scottish accent. This guy sounds gotcha. exactly like him. And I looked it up, and it is the same voice actor really? that does that does this character. 
And I found some interesting things. So his, his name is Alan Young. He, uh, he, he first did the Scrooge McDuck voice, he, or like, you know, professionally in 1974. Uh, he did some work in the, uh, oh, oh, he, he, he also did Scrooge McDuck at one point in, in the Kingdom Hearts series, apparently. He did Scrooge McDuck in DuckTales Remastered in 2013. Obviously, he did it in the, in the cartoon that was in like the 90s or late 80s or whenever that was, the, the DuckTales cartoon. Um, he did it for a Mickey cartoon in 2015. He, uh, he just died in 2016. Really? He was uh, 96 when he died. Oh, he was man. He was still doing the Scrooge McDuck voice until he was 95. Isn't that nuts? He's doing more at 95 than I'm doing at 29. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, <laughs> and this one came out in, what I say, 1997? So he was like still like 70, I guess, like uh, 70 years old or 69 years old or something like that. So, uh, I know. So anyway, that was, that was a little detour that I, that I went on, like looking up this guy. I thought that was pretty interesting, but Curse of Monkey Island, awesome game. If you like point and click adventures, if you, particularly if you like Monkey Island, you have to play it. It's on GOG and, uh, and Steam now. I was pretty surprised that they released it. It didn't seem like they were going to, um, but this gives me hope that they're going to release the, the final, LucasArts Monkey Island game, which is uh, Escape from Monkey Island, which I definitely have not played. Um, I think. I'm 90% sure. <laughs> all right. Game number two. Can you handle Can you handle all this? So I'm going to take a sip of water because I don't know if my throat can handle it. But you're the one who's talking, so. All right. Game number two is Mario 3. This was... this. Oh. Is, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. This has been on. I've been wanting to get to this for a for a while. Uh, I, I this is one of my New Year's um, resolutions was to try to play Mario three because so far I've only played Mario one and two, and then two of and then the first two Mario games on Game Boy f- throughout this whole entire podcast. And I was like, I gotta get to play. I I have to get through more Mario games. I kept playing other stuff. Other stuff kept coming up. Uh, so I was like, this year I'm finally going to play Mario 3, hopefully Super Mario World as well. But, um, I was kind of sitting around a few weeks ago and, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to fucking do it. So I was kind of like in the mood for something a little bit more twitchy and I was like, it's time to fucking finally play Mario 3 again. So I played, so I put in Mario 3 and played it. And this game is still, I know you played this really not too long oh, ago yeah. for the oh, podcast. Yeah. Like maybe Crazy even, fun game. was it this year? That you uh, I think it was last year. I think it was towards the end of last year. I think it was in my old house. When I was okay. Okay. But, um, it is, uh, like it still holds up so, so oh, well. It's crazy. Good. It is absolutely fantastic. Definitely the best of the NES Mario games without a doubt. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it, you have to put this game in the historical context too that it came out because like, if you play it now, it's like, yeah, this is a pretty good game. But, uh, you know, you probably will recognize that it's, you know, obviously got some technological limitations and stuff compared to what we play. But when this game came out, you know, now when a Mario game comes out, comes out, it's like the next in a line of a thousand different Mario games that have come out. When Mario 3 came out, it was the, it was only the third Mario game and up and, and the first two were very, very, very different from each other. So, uh... 
this was kind of special when this one in particular came out. It wasn't like just another Mario game at the time. It was, holy shit, here's another Mario game. Oh, and by the way, they went back to make it more like the original Mario, not like uh, Mario 2 was, or, you know, like the US version of Mario 2, at least. And uh, they made it like the first one. They made it, uh, the, the, the it controls very well. And it's, it's the first one plus improved graphics, improved, uh, you know, much more variety of enemies and, and worlds, and uh, a much, much greater variety of power-ups that you have. They also added the, the over, like the overworld, like map that you have, which hadn't been present in any Mario game. So this added like so many things to the Mario series while also sort of, sort of, I mean, this is a cliche thing to say, but they also took it back to its roots at the same time that this was like the ultimate video game when this came out. Not to mention also, obviously they had like the wizard movie that came out. That was basically like a big Nintendo advertisement that this came at the end of. And uh, when you saw that movie, it's like you saw Mario three and it looked like the coolest fucking game that they could possibly come out with. And the, the actual game, like lived up to how excited that movie got you for the game. It's got more, you know, like, I mean, I guess I said it all already. It's got great uh, level design, great variety and all that. Lots, lots, uh, lots of new power-ups that Mario has. It's not just the flower anymore. You got, you know, you can fly, you've got the Tanuki suit, you got the, uh, the little boot thing. You've got, you've got, um, you do have, you know, the, the flower so you can shoot fire and all that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, really a well-balanced game also. Uh, well, you know, one of the things I liked about it when I was playing through, I did. I think you said you did the same thing when you played it, which was uh, I didn't do any of the whistle warps. I played yeah. through. I actually played through all of the worlds to uh, to get, you know, just to see how all of them are. And uh, all basically, the, way harder too. Yeah, yeah. Later on, well, kind of. You get a lot more items. But yeah. Well, I think Mario One is definitely harder, but the thing I like about Mario Three, or one of the many things I like about Mario Three, is along with the variety in the different worlds also each level it's like they keep each level fun and interesting there are no levels that are just trying to be super difficult even the ones really and it doesn't and it takes a while to get to to levels that are super difficult it's not till like the second to last world or something around there where they where the levels start really getting pretty challenging i thought um but they're just like making them fun and a lot of the levels are pretty short too it's like they have a pretty good idea and they put it in there, but they don't like drag, they don't, you know, drag it on and make you, you know, make it a chore to get through. It's like, here's some cool stuff. Oh, all right, you got to the end. It's like 30 seconds, maybe, you, or maybe a couple minutes, but, you know, all right, that's that's all for that. That's all we have for that idea. We're not going to drag it on. Go, go, here's the end of the level. Let's go on and see the next thing that we have for you to, to play through. I really, really appreciated that. Uh, and that's 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 fairly uncommon for, for older games. Usually, oh, I agree. If they have a, a new idea, it's like, they're just going to hammer you in the head with it until you're sick of it. And then maybe they'll come up with something new. Maybe not. Um, this one did a fantastic job in that respect. Uh, you also have little encounters besides just the levels on the map. You know, like oh, sometimes yeah, right. there will be like, you know, before you can get to uh, the next level, like uh, Hammer Brother will move, uh, will move up on the map. And you have to walk, you have to go through him before you can actually get to the next level. So then you, know, you go to this little event where you have to fight the Hammer Brothers. Or sometimes, you you know, you go to Toad's house and, and pick one of three chests and get a prize. Or you do like the little matching game 
where you get like I don't know lives, extra lives or something like that uh, if you match the cards correctly, that kind of stuff. Uh, like I said, super fun all the way through. Not super hard until like the second to last le- world or something like that. Some of the levels do start getting pretty tough. Um, if you if you don't save certain resources for certain lo- certain levels, that game can be kind of challenging. There are a couple levels in the final world that if you don't have a P wing for or some sort of really powerful power up. It gets very hard. Yeah, there are some really tough ones. And you know what I did is I uh, I only used, I only had to use one continue the whole time on my own playthrough because I got to, there's one, there's one castle where you hit a P block and it turn it make, like there are bricks all over, like the whole entire screen just about is filled with bricks. And you hit a P block and they oh, all turn one. into coins. Yeah. Yeah. I, I farmed the shit out of that level. Oh, I did the same exact thing. You, They all turn into coins and then there's like one door that'll get you through. Um, <laughs> but if you just die, then you just get to do the level over. And you can get so You can keep going back like through a door and then going back into that same room. So yep. you can do it over and over until time runs out. So you just keep doing it. And then you can get like six or seven or eight lives playing the whole thing one time just from running around and jumping and getting all the coins. And then you just let time run out and you die and you lose one of those lives. And then you just do the level over. I did that until I had like 45 lives and then played through the rest of the game. So, uh, I only needed about 10 or 15 more at that point, but you know, I didn't know what I was going to need. So sure. Yeah. I just did that same exact thing and just farm the hell out of them. I was going to say, I did, I did that all over the place. The, my, only complaint with it this is a fantastic game my only complaint with it is that the bosses all kind of suck yeah they're they're very just the same formula like it doesn't get it and if you time it right you can literally shut all of them down oh yeah like especially like the uh the mid-level bosses there there's like Mm -hmm. a miniature castle like in the middle of each level and like yeah first yeah that's a good criticism that is the only real criticism i've ever heard that i agree with at that game honestly yeah they, you just jump on them. It's good. You just have yeah. to jump on them three times. And, like, all you have to do is Spoilers. jump on them, wait until they recover, and, like, be in the air and land on, land on them again before they can, like, jump up and do anything. And then even, like, the final bosses of each world are all, they're, yeah. you know, Bowser's kids, and they are all very, very similar to each other. And it's pretty much the same thing. You just jump on them, try not to get hit by the, like, magic that they're shooting at you. Yeah, and if you catch them, like, right at the beginning, you can stunlock them. Almost all of them are instant kills. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the last boss took me two tries. It, like once I forgot, I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Bowser looks Bowser looks kind of stupid in this one. Also, like, it's interesting. I don't know. The first time I saw it, I was really impressed. But yeah, this last playthrough, I was kind of like, eh. "Yeah." <laughs> so those aren't great, but I mean, obviously, those are pretty small portion of the game. Just freaking amazing game. Oh, it's, it's fantastic it's, game, especially for when it came out. That is a game that I, is another game that I will say I will more than likely play through in my lifetime multiple times. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, because there's some games when I play them, I'm like, I know I'm going to play this again. This yeah, is, that is one of them, for sure. I played it a whole bunch when it came out for sure. Uh, obviously, this is the first time I played it in a while because I just got done talking about how I hadn't played it yet for the podcast, but I'm I'm mm-hmm. sure I'll play it many more times as well. It's a fantastic title. Okay. You good for some top fives? Some hot top five action? Alright, so uh, we have um top five what the fump what the fump. Holy shit. 
You want to take this? You want to take over? Yeah, so it's top five what-the-fuck moments from classic games. So, Thank so, you. so if there are certain things that happen, and it's, I'm not going to give any examples because I don't want to ruin potentially any on your list, but um, if there are any moments in a game where you're like, it's completely out of character or it's just very surprising or sometimes in certain cases inappropriate. And so, yeah, we decided to do a top five based on that topic. And it was interesting. When you when I, when I first heard it, I was like, eh, this is kind of boring. Like, I don't know if I can come up with anything good. And I was kind of scratching my head. I'm like, oh, what about that? I'm like, oh, what about that? And I'm like, oh, what about that? <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, this is easy. Nice. Like, there's way too many. <laughs> okay. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you go first? Sure. So, so my number one is is more of a mechanic. I wanted to give a little bit of variety to this list, but my num- my uh, number five, excuse me, not number one, number five is from Red Faction for PS2. Hmm. And the reason this game is on here is because of the destructible environment. So this was the the marketing point of this game. It has destructible environment, and it remembers it, and you can interact with it. I was like, okay, you know, that means nothing to me. I had no idea what that meant. I was right. 10 years old or something. So I'm playing Red <laughs> Faction with my brother, and, and I'm running through this building away from him. I'm like, oh shit. And I like shoot a rocket at the ground and blow a hole in the ground. I'm like, oh, and I didn't die. And I'm like, interesting. So I started digging a hole. So I dug a hole under this wall into his base and then just killed him from behind. <laughs> nice. I was laughing so hard. I'm like, this is such a cool mechanic. <laughs> and it works in the single player as well, if you have enough explosives. So you can actually use that to your advantage. And it was like the first time a rocket hit something and blew it apart, either a building or a wall in this case, I was completely blown. Away. I was like, wow, they, uh, they spent a lot of time developing this game. The funny part about it is though, it only remembers so many instances. I want to say it's like 50 instances of destructible content. Oh, really? So after that, it just stops. So it's really <laughs> weird. You might be like digging a hole, right? You're like digging a hole to your enemy, and then you get like halfway there, and all of a sudden you just like hit a wall and nothing. And you're like, <laughs> okay. like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was actually kind of a what the fuck moment, too, is when you hit the cap. <laughs> you don't know. You know, like me and my brother were trying to like race to each other's bases, and I'm digging a hole through one side, he's digging through the other, and then we both get stuck. We're like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's good. All right, mine is uh, uh, mine is it's kind of similar to yours in the sense that it's not really a what the fuck thing in general, but it was more or less like my own personal experience with it, uh, which was Mortal Kombat One uh, fatalities, just in general, specifically. I I, would, I guess I would go with oh. the, the Johnny Cage fatality because that was the first one that I saw where he just. All he does is he does like the uppercut and punches a person's head off. But I didn't, I had not heard of this game yet. Uh, I somehow had like missed it in the magazines and all that. And uh, there was nothing like this whatsoever at the time. And I was walking through an arcade and I was just kind of like looking around. And I, I think I was like leaving maybe even. And I just like looked over and saw this game, saw this guy playing this game. And it was like, I was like, oh, cool. That's a fighting game. And it was like. It couldn't been a, It could not have been timed better. It was like a movie. Like I look over, see this game for the first time. He punches somebody and says, "Finish him." I'm like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." And then like I see him do Johnny Cage's uppercut, and the guy's head goes flying off. I think he was fighting Scorpion, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" Like I, there was nothing like this. It changes so, like, everything. It just changes everything. I was like, it looks so realistic. It's so like nothing. I've never seen like anything this gory in my life. It's unheard of to. I like, used to get in trouble for watching the, the fatalities. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Seriously, mom would be like, "Don't look during the fatalities." I'm like, oh, "Okay," because the rest of the game is just peachy. Right. Exactly. Uh, there was nothing like this, like where you explicitly like murder your opponents. Like, obviously, they had games where you like you shoot and kill people, but nothing where you're like fighting, you know, hand to hand, and then rip somebody's head off, you know, in full detail. Um, that was 
like the for the time that that came out in general and for how old I was at the time that was my first like not my first that was one of my first really big like what the fuck moments I like it my number four is from Majora's Mask and it's a specific heart piece and the first time I encountered this I was really confused and this is in the very 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 beginning of the game you're in this inn and you walk by, there's like this empty room, and you kind of walk into it, and the camera pans in the room, so I'm like, oh, okay, there must be something in here. This hand reaches out of the toilet, and he's just like grabbing. And he says like, oh, I, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's like hinting towards toilet paper. I was like, what? And so you're kind of playing through the game, and I'm like thinking like, what could be used as toilet paper? Like, da 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 Well, you get this deed, right, at one point in the game, and you use the deed to acquire something. Well, if you after you're done with the deed, you can actually turn it into him. And he's like, oh, thank you for the toilet paper. He pulls his hand back into the hole and then throws out a heart piece. <laughs> and and I'm, in my head, my first thought was, what the hell else do you have down there? Like, what is going on? But uh, the first time really that happened, weird. like, it was the first time I saw the hand, it scared me. I didn't go back in that room for a while. But the first time I figured it out, I was like, oh, like, how clever. And then I was just like, oh, that's so funny. You just have to hand him toilet. <laughs> that's really weird. All right, my number four. Is, I just realized, by the way, that all the rest of mine are adventure games, of course. Are what, sir? Adventure games, point <laughs> and clicks. Um, my number four is Loom, and this was this was my first uh, what the fuck moment in a video game. And uh, I've talked about this on the podcast before, where the ending this is specifically the ending to Loom. Um, it doesn't really make a ton of sense, but particularly at the time, like being young and like you know not questioning everything that I saw, like being like, hey, wait, how does this actually work? Um, I, I, I guess I'll have to, I have to spoil it to explain it. So if you don't want to know the ending to Lou, maybe skip the hey, you're spoiling everything 30 to 60 maybe. seconds. I'm, I am spoiling this. Who's going to win the fight tomorrow night? Jesus. <laughs> Could be spoiled. Oh my God, Robert. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is a spoiler for Loom if you care. But at the end, you uh, there's this like, there's this Loom but it's like not a loom for t- for creating you know stuff out of cloth. It's a loom that basically for creating like the world more or less. Uh, and you rip it in half, and it rips. It actually f- does a physical rip in like space and time. And like that alone, I was like, "Holy shit, what the fuck!" And then like rip it open, and in between you just see like outer space, and then. You go like you, then your your mom who got magically turned into a swan, like a long time ago. She comes to you and like saves you. You, t- I think you turn yourself into a swan. Then, if I remember correctly, and y'all and a few other like magical people who are like the same part of your uh, uh, guild fly through into space with you, and then it shows y'all like flying across a sky like of the normal world but you're carrying like a giant quilt but the quilt is space the quilt is like made out of like a view of the stars in space you're giving me a what the fuck moment right now <laughs> yeah that's that that's basically it i mean just look up loom ending it's not it's it's not that long if you're interested but uh i just remember seeing this and it like blew my fucking mind i was like i cannot like how could somebody ever have thought of this type thing? Like it was, right? uh, yeah. Oh, was, the first time you experience something like that, like the the main character dies at the end of a story, or there's a switch. Like the first time you experience one of those those kind of lines, it just utterly destroys you. Yeah, it was pretty fun. It was cool. 
where the main character's been dead the whole time. There you go. That's <laughs> no, seriously, like, that's so common. And it's like, yeah. now when I see it, I'm like, yeah, if say, we've seen this before like 30 times. But the first time I was like, what? <laughs> you saw yep. this coming, even though you hinted at it the entire game. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's really the best when they do stuff like that. And you can go back and be like, oh, I see like where they were hinting at it here. I just dude. feel like a dumbass. I'm like, oh, I'm a big dumb idiot. Like, <laughs> people probably knew by this point. They're like, yeah, we get it. They've done that like in movies as well. I, I guess sure. I won't spoil, but I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. All right. All right. Number, number three. Number three. Number three. This is a two-parter because both of them are interesting. Let me pour some water while I say this. So uh, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, let's Ooh. talk about oh, okay, okay. Wall Market. Let's talk about Wall Market, shall we? Wall so Market? market Wall Market. This is a market in Final Fantasy VII that is a one of the most memorable, probably iconic scenes or, or parts of the entire game. I remember trading tricks with people in grade school to try and get through this part and find out all the secrets. Uh, the objective of the area is you must get Cloud to dress up as much like a woman as possible. Oh, and right. Okay. There's all these different accessories you can get, and there's different levels of accessories you can get depending on which tasks you complete. Now... Let's pause that for a minute, and let's talk about when you go to the honey. Almost said honey pop in, but it's the honey. Oh, nice! It's the honey something in, and it's a whorehouse, and it's very interesting because you find out the teeth is there. You're like, oh, okay. So if you do some sort of events at a certain point, cloud can go in. But what's weird is, and you can watch through the peephole from the camera's point of view, and he's in a room with a bunch of dudes, and then the camera kind of pans away. <laughs> now, on top of that, if that's not weird enough, that's great. There's some interesting dialogue. I don't, here. I don't remember that specifically. That's so funny. That's it. That's a bonus, right? So, so that's one part. It's a boner, you mean? Kind of a three-parter. Part two is, yeah, you're dressed up like a girl as much as possible, and you're doing it for this <laughs> dawn, right? And when the dawn ultimate comes down to is, is it's sort of a beauty contest it's between Cloud, Aerith, Aerith, and um, Tifa, and the three of them are lined up in front of this guy's bed, and he chooses one of you. <laughs> And if you do well enough by getting enough of the items, then he chooses Cloud. It gets really fucking weird because you're like, yeah, this guy's about to find out Cloud's a dude. <laughs> maybe not so if that, you're maybe not if you're good enough. True. Oh Jesus. Um, <laughs> explains a lot about you. Uh, the part three is kind of is kind of all kind of goes together, sort of kind of. Is when you go to Gold Saucer, you go on a date with somebody in your party and depending on who you treat better you can get Aerith or Tifa and throughout the game you can say mean or nice things to them which encourages or discourages them to go on a date with you but there is a third option if you are mean to both of them and nice to Barrett he will show up and he will take you on a date and again it's fucking weird <laughs> also I think you can get Yuffie as well I think that but that's that's who cares you can get Barrett and it's so funny because Cloud's standing in his room it's kind of like this emotional scene where he's chilling out in his room just kind of digesting some news that he's heard and then you know Tifa comes in it's like okay cool uh, Aerith comes in okay cool Yuffie if, if that's a thing I think it is mm -hmm. Barrett you're like what the fuck does he want like are we gonna go play games and go go fight in the battle ring he's like let's go on a date would it take you on the, the the roller coaster ride it's like what the hell dude like the, like I'm freaking 10 years old or 9 years old I'm so confused <laughs> I'm just like, what is going on? But, oh man, I can't tell you how many times we were just like, what? <laughs> That's so good. I, I, now that you say all that, like, I sort of kind of remember uh, a lot of that, but um, oh, it's so but funny. not really. I sort of, I guess I blocked that. <laughs> I, I never got Barrett randomly. Like, I didn't know. I got um, Aerith and Tifa a few times. I think, I think if Yuffie's a thing, I've gotten Yuffie before. But yeah, Barrett was <laughs> like, so good. You really have to try to get him, which is 
really weird again. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's just funny that they were that adventurous with this game. You know, it, it is. It, it yeah. is it's interesting because I'll be honest with you. If that became public knowledge, you know that'd be on the news, and you know people would be like, "This is why video games are corrupting our our youth." Like, yeah, I'm actually corrupted by that, so I'll agree with you in this yeah. case. <laughs> oh man, that's a really good one. I don't. How Thank are you? you it's, how, it's almost my number one, but yeah. maybe it should have been. Let's say, how are you going to top it? How are you going to top that? Just like Baratheon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice, very good. Okay, uh, number. This is number three, right? Yeah, number three. Yeah, number three for you. Uh, my, my, I guess, somewhat different note. Uh, much less lighthearted, I'll say, is uh, Phantasmagoria, which was a um, horror point-and-click adventure game for the uh, made by Sierra. There is a uh, rape scene in this game. Really? Yeah, and it's and it's live action, like it's live action people doing the rape scene. the 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 scene is not like explicit or anything, but it's like it's the the woman who is the main character that you play. And there's one scene where, like, she's in the, like, uh, bed. Oh, I think they're actually in, like, the bathroom with her husband. She's, like, getting ready to go to bed or something like that. And he comes up, and he's starting to kind of, like, go insane because, like, the, I don't know, all the evil shit around the place, around y'all's new house is, like, is turning him evil. And y'all, and, like, they start having sex, and they're up against the wall. And all of a sudden, the guy starts going, like, crazy. And, like, he's, like just like starts like basically thrusting super incredibly hard and she starts like Jesus. screaming for him to stop. Yeah. It's pretty like, it's not like doesn't show any, any sort of nudity really or anything. Um, but, uh, it's, it's pretty intense as you can imagine. So like, it's not like it, what so, year was this? it was a good question. It was that part. Of, and a lot of the reason that this is so what the fuck is because of when it came out. Um, Phantasmagoria. It's interesting that we both picked kind of sexually motivated. I know, that's what I was just thinking. Uh, this is this was 95. So oh, like, yeah. I think 7 came out in 95 or 97. That's so funny. Yeah, so they're the, at the same time. Yeah, so there like was not stuff, especially like this back then. So like, oh, God, this, no. the scene itself is, is pretty unsettling, but it's not like anything incredibly disturbing really. Sure. But just the fact that it came out in this time is like, you did not expect to ever see anything like this back in 1995. So that was pretty, uh, it's pretty what the fuck. Cool. All right. Um, number my number two. My number two is from Mario 2, um, oddly enough. Uh, for those of you who haven't played Mario, Super Mario Brothers 2 for for, uh, for uh, regular Nintendo, excuse me, there's uh, not really much to the story. I mean, you pretty much just get dropped in this world, and you're playing through Mario levels, da-da-da-da. But it's interesting because the worlds get kind of bizarre, and you start experiencing some really odd things, and you're kind of like, okay, it's a Mario game. Like, there's lava, okay, there's some sort of ice, there's snow, okay. Nothing crazy, okay, there's some plants and stuff. So it's not like you think, you know, this whole thing is just ridiculous. You're just like, it's a Mario game, right? So, so you kill the final boss, and then the camera zooms out, and, and oh, by the way, spoilers, obviously. Uh, you were sleeping the whole time. <laughs> and it was just weird. Like, it, it, it just, I don't know. It, it really threw me for a loop. Like, I remember I was sitting with my brother, my dad, uh, and I was playing. And I, actually, no, I was not playing. I got to the very last boss, and I got nervous, so I let my brother do it. 
Dude, I did that. I used to do that all the time with my dad. If I if oh, yeah. I got super far in a game, I'd get especially to a boss, I'd get nervous and make him play. Oh, yeah. I was seven years old. I'm like at the last boss uh-huh. with like three lives or something. And I'm just like, oh Jesus! Like it took me a long time to beat that game. It took me a lot of playthroughs. But yeah, I got to the very end and we beat it. And we're like, oh cool, like oh a cutscene, like interesting. I'm like, well, I wonder what's gonna happen. Wake up, you're like, he's just sleeping. You're like, what <laughs> the fuck? Like it just felt kind of. Ugh, like it just kind of like left a bad taste because I really like Super Mario Bros. 2. I know a lot of people don't. I really enjoy the game, and then it was just kind of like, ugh, you're just done. You're like, all right, well, I guess that that's that. Like, I, I, it was so unnecessary. It wasn't needed, and it didn't add anything. Actually, it just kind of took away from the game. Right. But, yeah, I was. I remember just being like, I'm good. <laughs> it's just ugh. It's just weird. All right. Um, yeah, I can see that kind of being a disappointment. It's like, oh, it's just a dream. How about that? Man, we should put more horror games on these lists. So I just realized that. Damn. My all the rest of mine are horror games. So oh, okay, good. We're good. Mine is not. And more. I don't know. Mortal Kombat one, not a horror game, but maybe that sort of counts. True. Um, okay, number two is 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 another scene from Phantasmagoria. Wow. And this was a uh, this is one of the murder scenes in the game. So throughout the game, like I said, you so you you moved into this new house and it's basically like a old mansion kind of and uh it turns out to basically be haunted and um it's it's so it's kind of part of a lot of the game is you sort of kind of going around and talking to people in the town and meeting your neighbors and like exploring around the house and all these all these kind of creepy things sort of slowly trickling through as you do all that and then there's during certain parts of the games you start to like have visions of things that happened in the past at, at at the house and there's this one part where this guy is uh, gardening or something, and he had, or um, I don't remember if it was him gardening. I think maybe actually this some other person, like a, the lady was guard, uh, another lady was gardening. Regardless, there's a guy and there's a lady in the scene. One of them was doing some sort of gardening, and they have a uh, one of those like. Just <laughs> <laughs> and then they've got like one of the little shovels, you know, like like a little hand shovel that you use like for like, you know, not that you have to like dig in with your foot. But you know what I'm talking about that you just use mm-hmm. with your hand? Trowel. And, huh? It's called a trowel. Trowel? Hand shovel? Yeah. Yeah, it's called a trowel. Okay. He uses one of those to murder this lady by shoving it into her mouth as hard as he can. Think and how hard it would be to kill somebody doing that. Well, like he, I don't know if it'd be that hard if you cram it all the way through to where it basically goes yeah, like through yeah. the back. Okay, of your let throat. me let me see you do that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he kills her by like shoving it in her mouth super hard, pulling it out, shoving it back in again. Oh, Jesus, Robert, she's dead. It's uh, it was pretty. I remember that. Like I remember that more vividly than I remember the rape scene, just because that one like really stuck with me. I was like, damn, this is uh, this is pretty fucked up. And again, like, so this is 1990, what did I say, 95? So I was, like, 12 years old at the time. Yeah. That's a good one. Man, that's that's crazy that they were doing that at that time. Yeah, this this whole game, like, yeah, I'm pretty, like, kind of, like, surprised that they did a lot of this stuff. I mean, I kind of, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I give them a lot of credit for really trying some very risky things. Uh, throughout, like in the content of their game, like they sure. definitely did not hold back on the stuff that they uh, that they that they wanted to do in the story. They really did some kind of effed up stuff. I like it. Two right. same game, two different ones. 
Yep. Number there's, one. There's, there's probably other part. In fact, there are. There's there's one other death in the game that I really could have used, but uh, I didn't want to use three different things from the game. So uh, I'll hold off on that one. So right, number one got? is from Pikmin, actually, and this one. This is probably one of the biggest, like, what the fuck, I stopped playing moments in at this time. So Pikmin came out early 2000, like 2002, I want to say. Um, Sounds about right. And the first time I played Pikmin, you're like, oh, these things are really cute. You know, you start messing around with them. You figure out they can fight. They're fighting. The, I forget what they're called. They're like the dogs. Are they called like something? Forgot this. The big, the big things, the big polka dotted red asses. Um, <laughs> you start fighting those a little bit. And you lose a couple Pikmin here and there. And you're like, okay, like, oh, that sucks. I'll call Pikmin. It's kind of sad, and you're like, Jesus, every time one dies, they, they kind of make this squeal sound. They go, ah! They flew away <laughs> to heaven. You're like, okay, that's a little weird. But the first time you start fa- facing the black and red ones is when the game started to get really scary for me. Because in this level where I first started seeing them, there's also these guys that spit this fire. And fire will one-shot any non... Actually, it won't one-shot. It will, it will kill any non-red Pikmin who's not evolved, meaning they have like a flower petal. It's like a powerful version right mm-hmm. and so you walk around with, with 100 pikmin at a time and one of the first times i did this level i was running around and one of these things came up and i wasn't paying attention i was using the c-stick because you use the c-stick to control the pikmin you can kind of okay normally they fan out all around you but if you use the c-stick you play like this trumpet or horn and they stay organized and more tightly compact well he shoots a fireball and kills all 100 in one hit and holy shit in pikmin when more than one pikmin dies each one squeals. So 100 Pikmin all squeal at the same time. And it's like this traumatizing sound. And then all their souls float away. They all, they all go, Meh! and they go, ah! and then they all float away at once. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, are you this just that? Like, I, I'm look, looking at the box. I'm like, this is for which age groups? I was like, what in the hell am I playing? I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm not playing this game again for a while. It took me, it took me a couple weeks to get back on that gravy train. Like, I was just, and the next time, like, anytime I saw those guys, I'm like, nope. Whole lot of nope. Stay the fuck away from me. Like, I was just so horrified. And it just, you know, now it's kind of comical. But at the time, I'm like, Jesus. Like, like something so Damn. lighthearted as Pikmin, kind of, could just turn out to be, like, this traumatizing, painful game. Holy shit, that sounds... Yeah, that sounds pretty intense. Still a fun game, though. Especially for a game that's, like, super cute, you know? I know! It totally threw me off. I'm like, what? <laughs> Alright. That's good. That's a good one. Alright. Um, number one is I'm basically going to go with the entire the entirety of uh, Harvester. Of what, sorry? Harvester. This is a point-and-click adventure game. I played it about three years ago for the podcast. And, like, the whole entire game is, like, just, like, one fucked up thing after another. Like, even when there's nothing happening, just, like, the way everybody talks and acts in the town is just, uh, like, really, really odd and eerie. But then, like, as you play through the game, like, plenty of, like, super, like, really, like, dark and fucked up stuff happens. Like, there's, uh... Like, this one kind of minor plot point about this, like, sexually abusive dad in one part. And then, like, the whole final, like, quarter of the game is you going through this, like, one huge area where you're basically, like, murdering shitloads of people. Uh, It's, um... 
Like, I, I can't even really think of much to point out specifically, but it's just like, like the whole thing is just like almost uh, a little bit, a bit, a little bit like exploitative the way that like, it feels, it gets to the point where it feels like there's not really a point to it anymore. Mm. Like I do like, kind of like the same thing with Phantasmagoria. I definitely respect the fact that they like had the balls to do like a lot of the stuff that they did. Sure. But like <clears throat> this one, like takes it so far where I'm even just like, I even get to, the, I, I get to the point where I'm like, is this, is this really necessary? Like, what are we, tr- or is this just for shock value at this point? Like, are you mm. trying to do? Are you trying to like tell a story? Or are you just like trying to get away with whatever you can get away with? You know. Uh, so yeah, I'm basically just gonna go with all of Harvester for my number for my number one. So so let me ask you this because I, I know I've, I've had experiences in my in certain games where you'll experience a character and you're like, okay, this person's deranged or they're like a psychopath. And the dialogue is, is too good. Like you're like, okay, whoever wrote this is either a psychopath or knows a psychopath because they are saying things that I would imagine psychopaths would say in the exact manner. Like there are certain times when I've seen dialogue and I'm like, okay, this person's really freaking good. Whoever wrote this is a little too close to home. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. This isn't like that. This is like, um, the it's all of the dialogue is is so kind of deadpan and like with a little bit of awkwardness that it just wow. adds to the whole thing it's not realistic in any way but it also doesn't feel like it was like poorly done it just feels like everything is just really off in some way that's interesting it's very unsettling it's ex- yeah it's exactly it's that's 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 how exactly how i would describe it that's ex- that's that's how the all of the dialogue is. It's like more unsettling stuff just throughout the entire game. That's a good list. These that are, was one that I looked at and I was like, eh, this is actually pretty... I like this one. This is yeah, interesting. I was, I'm pretty happy with this one. We had some good stuff. Every once in a while, we just get one of those ones where we're like, eh, at least from my perspective, I'm like, eh, this sometimes. might be good. Yeah, this sometimes. really good. Yeah. A lot, right, cool. a, lot, a lot of newer titles, too. Something we don't too much about. So next time we will be doing our top four games that we uh, out of the list of nominees that we want to uh, make it into the uh, World Video Game Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't think I have that list pulled up anymore, but I said it earlier in the podcast, so you can. I'll, I'll, I'll try to pull it up so I can say it again at the end. Emails. Put the emails. <laughs> Uh, real quick, on a side note, I remember something that I meant to talk about earlier for just a brief second. This this isn't Uh-oh. relevant. To, this is not re- no. This isn't important or relevant to anything. But I played a new, uh, really fun board game. Oh, it's called. Okay. Oh, shit, what's it called? I'm so scared you're gonna name something I hate. No, it's, it's called. Um, <laughs> it's not House on Haunted Hill, but it's something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I played that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's it what's is it called? House on Haunted Hill. No, betrayal. Betrayal, betrayal at House, House Hill. On the oh. hill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a fun game, right? Yeah, you you've played this? Yeah, yeah, okay. I played cool. with Zach, uh, Lisa, and a few other people. Yeah, yeah, we have a couple of them. It's uh, it's super fun. So, like, for the listeners, if you if you care, you um, wait. There are so there's more than one of these. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of expansions to it. Cause I think oh the yeah, because they've got the like, book. I think it's only like four people, and then if you buy the expansion, it goes up to six. I want to say. Gotcha. 
Um, so you play it. So it's like you are three or it's, you play with minimum of three people and you're like exploring this haunted house basically. And you are uh, walking around discovering rooms and then like, you know, events happen here and there and you find items like and you it's might completely find, different every time. Yeah. It's completely different. Every time you're finding, you know, like a mat, sometimes like they're kind of like magical items or, or, or things like that. Or sometimes they're just straight up weapons or sometimes it's like, you might find a dog and like the dog becomes your companion. Yeah, and then, that's right. And then, are- yeah. And then at some point in the game, uh, something will trigger to where one of the people becomes, uh, one of the players becomes a bad guy. Most of the time, you know who it is, but sometimes there are certain scenarios where it's like a secret who the bad guy is. And, uh, and then like, then the bad guy is basically trying to kill the other guys or yeah, finish just do something to win. Yeah, finish a specific goal that no that nobody except for him knows. Like opening a portal to, to Demon World. I remember there was one that we did. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like it's like if he if he does, I think it's like if he kills somebody and then brings their body to this demonic circle, then he opens a portal and Damn. it was like I was like, what? That's so cool! Like I love it. We put, the one we got was um, there were uh, we felt like the, the the way the story went was um, it was my wife that became the bad person like the bad guy and me and my daughter were the good people or, you know, we, we stayed the same. And what happened was like, we found, we supposedly like the story as the story goes, we found a book that had pictures of, uh, had photographs of voodoo dolls. And we found it at the very end, all of them were crossed out except for two. And they were two voodoo dolls that looked like us. And so uh-huh. we had to find the voodoo dolls and destroy them basically before we died. And like every turn, we would have to do a a, a roll yeah. to see if like the voodoo dolls injured us, and the voodoo doll that That's my fun. daughter got is if she didn't pass the roll, then she instantly died. Was how it worked. So, uh, it's got it's got like D and D elements too, where it's like you have yes, strength and speed and knowledge and uh, sanity, and then you have to do rolls based on like what like how many points you have and those attributes for certain parts of the game. It's it's really fun. I, I will say you kind of have to get into it if you really want to enjoy the game. Like the the actual lore or like the stories are pretty good, and they're, they're at yeah. times pretty graphic, and it keeps it appealing. If you just look at it like a strategic board game, you're probably not gonna have too much fun because I did notice there's some serious imbalances in some of the um, reveals. Some of them are just mm-hmm. like ridiculous, and some of them are just stupid easy. So uh, you definitely have to go into a mindset of I want to be engrossed in the story and, and kind of right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, 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 like I said, the one that we got where she, if she failed this one particular role, then she automatically dies. Like, it wasn't really that hard of a role to fail, and uh, and for my wife as the bad guy to win, all she had to do is kill one of us. Yeah, at, with a doll, and like that. Sure enough, that happened after like a, a few rounds of doing it. She like didn't roll high enough and automatically died. So my wife just won <laughs> instantly. I remember there was one I read that really stuck out of my mind. It was like you walk into a room and you realize there's breathing mm-hmm. and the breathing is the walls and like the blo- the walls are like going in and out like like somebody's breathing. I was like, oh my God. Like, imagine <laughs> you walked into a room and that happened. You'd be like, Holy yeah, shit. Fuck out of here. Yeah. That's, that's a good game. I'm glad that you played it also. Yeah, it's, it's pretty damn fun. I, I've actually been playing a lot of board games lately. We have like, honestly, I just bought Scythe, which was super fun. Um, I played House on Haunted Hill. We're playing a couple new card games that are pretty fun. Like, there's just so much. Arkham Horror. That's the card game we're playing right now. It's super good. Oh, I've, I've heard of that. I don't uh, know much about it, but yeah, I've it's heard just of that. a it's a co-op really style card game, and it's fun. It's creative. It's cool. Nice. I love board games. They're, yeah, I do too. 
All right. I also love emails. How about you? Oh, yeah, that's right. I should talk about the emails. All right. First one comes from uh, Amir. Amir says, uh, hi, guys. Enjoying the podcast, as always, and keep up the good work. A small suggestion. Would you consider adding timestamps to your show notes? For example, when your discussion on each game starts, your list section, listener email. That's kind of up to you, I guess. Yeah, I'll say straight up, Amir. I'm sorry, probably not. Just because, like, that's... I mean, it's not a huge task, but getting the recording edited and then uh you know creating the page for the site and then getting all that uploaded is already quite a quite a bit of a task it takes up like a lot of my you know first day or so of the week just getting that getting all that stuff together really oh my gosh well i mean like you know i listen to it to make sure i edit it or you know to to edit it but but i'm able to work while i do that but then then once i listen to the whole thing you know part of it is the recording comes in multiple files because, you know, I stop it to make sure we've been recording. And then mm. when I, once we're done recording, then your track, your, your voice is on one track and mine is on another. So I got to put those together for each section of the recording, get all those into audacity. Then I have to play around with the sound to make sure you and I are roughly the same volume. Uh, then there's of course the editing that goes into it. Then once all that goes, then I have to export it and then, you know, give it the right name and all that stuff. Then I start creating the the new page for the site. I get that created, get the file copied over, then I upload everything. By the time I'm done doing all that, like, I just don't have the energy to go back and do more and find out, like, what, you know, time, you know, we talked about this or that game. And then, you know, when the email section is, I think that would be great if I, if, if we did have that, but I'm, I just don't really it's not worth the payoff for me to spend the I extra mean, time. And, doing and on it. top of that, I mean, my part of showing up is just—I <laughs> mean, I didn't realize you did all that. Jesus, I mean, I realized it, but I didn't really put put the, the words to it. I guess, holy shit, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it's 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 quite it's quite man. a bit of work. So yeah, sorry, Amir, probably not. Uh, I, I do realize that. Mo- yeah, and most <laughs> most podcasts do do that. I guess they just have more of a tolerance for spending time on that than i do and i would offer to do it but i am really lazy like <laughs> i mean i am really lazy you can uh you can take over the um uh twitter account i'll pay you yeah you get paid uh how much three bucks an hour that's more than i ever get Never mind. one dollar uh, per tweet by the way, Amir says, another suggestion from the Great Looking Glass stable of games, Terra Nova, Terra Nova Strike Force Centauri. Okay. I don't know what this is. Do you? No. I feel like I've heard the name Terra Nova uh, before. I'll look at this up real quick. Terra Nova. 1996 tactical first-person shooter game developed by Looking Glass Technologies. Does it look any good? It looks interesting, to say the least. Okay. He says, criminally underappreciated. Think Wing Commander with some cheesy uh, full motion video acting. Married with Mech Warrior style gameplay. Yeah, but more I definitely streamlined. get the Mech Warrior feeling from this. Interesting. That sounds kind of... I wasn't so sure about this at first, but now that he's describing it, it sounds kind of cool. But more streamlined and accessible. I also did wow, a bunch of... destructible environment, too. Oh, really? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up and. and this take, actually take looks it. very Mech Warrior. Honestly, this reminds me of the very first time I played Mech. Warrior. Oh yeah, it does look Mech Warrior for sure. I'm gonna uh, keep this pulled up for later. Um, is this a uh, this is a PC game, right? It looks like it. 
What does it say on, on Wikipedia? Okay, well, it's on Steam and GOG, so yeah, okay. Um, and what else does it say? Uh, I, I, it, it also did a bunch of things I'd not seen before. For example, you could uh, launch remote drones to do reconnaissance and scope out any enemy positions. And the video feed from the drone could be on screen on your HUD, or you could switch to drone view entirely. Oh, that's pretty sweet. He says, keep it that classic. Very... Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, thanks, Samir. I, I, I don't know for sure that I'll play this, but I, I will definitely uh, give it a look. All right. Um, Jonathan sent us a tweet in response to something you said um, on the last episode. Uh-oh. His tweet is... Top five reasons to tell Rob to kill himself. Okay. That's that's a tough list. (laughs) Number five, Metal Gear Solid. I thought I was thinking Honey Pop. Number four, Honey Pop. There you go. I'm surprised that's only number four. Yeah, me too. I'm curious what number one is now. Number three, uh, Real Doll. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's another good one. Um, I don't know why three is why real doll is above honey pop because real doll. I just basically said it exists. Honey pop. I was like, yeah, I played this game a whole bunch <laughs> and then I never oh, stopped talking about it. Talked about it for an exorbitant amount of time. Basically every episode. Number two, because Jace said two and, like uh, number one for, <laughs> okay. Okay. This is a good one. <laughs> Forgetting to press record. <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay, that is number one without question. Let's be real here. It's one of those tilting things that ever happens. I can't really argue with that list too much. I mean, Metal Gear Solid, I, I don't know why that necessarily uh, was so bad about that, except for maybe I talk about it too much. But, um, yeah, the rest of these, I think, are I mean, we, pretty legitimate. I mean, we talk about games too much, certain games. Too yeah. Much. All right. But it's a solid top five. I like it's it. pretty solid. It's, it's pretty Metal Gear Solid. Number one, tilt it, kill yourself. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Okay, so it looks like one coming up right after this one is at least partly a response to you. So I'll save that one for you. I'll take this. I'll take this third one. Um, this is this is another one. A second email from Amir. He says, uh, "Hi guys, interesting topic." Okay, so his, his topic is top five WTF moments in gaming. He says, "Hi guys, interesting topic." But having thought about it, I guess there are two types of what the fuck moments, both of which can be good or bad. Number one, what the fuck by design, e.g. some twist in the game plot. Yeah, I think that's pretty much oh, what, yeah. what we did for the, for the most part. Yep. Number two, what the fuck by personal reaction, things that made me go what the fuck for whatever reason. Yep. Yep. So, top five in no particular order. Number one, quote, this is all your fault from Spec Ops The Line. Uh, this message on a loading screen with what had previously been a bunch of standard control tips was the first indication that something wasn't quite right here. Oh, that's kind of... That's kind of neat. Uh, ominous. Yeah. Number two, quote, Oh, I just talked him into handing into handing her over. This was my friend explaining how he got past the first Fallout's first mission, whereas I had to painstakingly save slash load every time I connected or missed a, <laughs> uh, in a bare knuckles brawl. This was my first experience with an RPG where pummeling your way to victory wasn't the only answer. That's cool. Number three, jiggle physics. <laughs> and, and then I don't know where this oh, is going. I'm thinking of uh, Dead or Alive. Uh, yeah, yeah, jiggle, that's what it is. Dead or Alive yeah. series. And we wonder why some people don't take us gamers seriously. Yeah, exactly. We wonder. Um, number four. Yeah, I remember jiggle physics in Dead or Alive. Uh, oh, Life. I remember the first time playing Dead or Alive going, 
Yep, I'm gonna play this alone by myself later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This was the first game that I had on PlayStation Two, Dead or Alive uh, Two. And uh, yeah, I remember. I definitely remember this. Uh, number four, when you realize uh, what the game is really about, colon mm. Silent Hill Two. Uh, that's interesting. That makes me really uh, curious. Hold on a second. Okay. Um, and number five. Seeing the original Prince of Persia's rotoscoped animation for the first time. Oh, that's neat. I was probably too young to know the word fuck, but my gut reaction uh, definitely approximated a what the fuck. I was mesmerized, and I remember so thinking cool. this is like real life. Yeah, that's... Yeah, um, it was so cool the first time. I was like, what? That and flashback was kind of similar. Like the way it was, the, the animation was like... You know, it worked. Yeah. And it worked. Like, that was the crazy thing. I remember thinking, like, this is never going to work. And it worked. Yep. It worked well. That's a really good list. Uh, there are too many honorable mentions to list here, but a few. Uh, first, discovering the warps in the original Super Mario. Mm. Psycho Mantis and Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, I thought about Psycho Mantis and Metal Gear Solid. That, that's a good one. And, uh, and going back to Quake 2... After playing the first Thief game exclusively for a bit, funny story, my uh, my first instinct on encountering a tank commander on my first play of Quake 2 after weeks of playing Thief was to run around a corner and crouch in a dark spot behind a crate, only to have him prompt, promptly stomp around said crate and shove a rocket up my ass. And my first reaction was, what the fuck, this isn't fair, only to remember 0.2 seconds later, different game, doofus. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. pretty good keep up the good work Amir thank you Amir yeah thank you that was awesome next email this one is from uh, looks like we got one from uh, Father Beast oh nice I'll send you this in the chat awesome I start by saying hi Father Beast here since you guys read my email in the last episode you had a few questions I think I can answer my son Seeker Erebus was 25 when we did our top five lists in 2016. Uh, okay, so we were yeah we were wondering about that. Remember? So since I put Minecraft in my top five, you asked what I thought of Terraria. The answer is I haven't played it. It looks interesting, but never got to it. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth a shot. It's pretty darn fun. Uh, now now Jay put uh, Heroes of Might and Magic three in his top 100, and I was wondering how it compares to Heroes of Might and Magic two, which is in my top five to Heroes of Might and Magic three. I actually haven't played the second one. Um, Robert actually sent me a link to buy it earlier this week, um, so I haven't played the second one. I have heard really good things about it from a couple different people, but I haven't actually tried it no, myself. No, I think I think he's saying that you are wondering this, and he's about. Oh, to answer I'm sorry. You. Now Jay put. Magic 3 and is wondering how oh, I compare. How I compare. I'm sorry, which is in my top five. Okay, thank you, Robert. Yeah. Uh, now, you must understand that I played these in order. I got my games through a thrift store and used game store pretty exclusively back then. So I first played the original and had lots of fun. So a combo pack that had Heroes 1, 2, and 3, it, and it was something I talked myself into purchasing, even with a $20 price tag. That's so good, though. Oh, my yeah, God, I can play. Good. <laughs> that is one of those games that I could play for like 10, 15 hours at a time, and it's like, I think it's only $20. Uh, when yeah. I got into Heroes 2, I immediately saw the improvements and never really went back to Heroes 1 because it was just so superior. When I tried to tried to move on to Heroes 3, I was less impressed. It was a very good looking, but I often felt it was missing something and often went back to Heroes 2 to to, to have a, my, more excuse me, my more familiar fun. Uh, when you asked the question, I tried to quant uh, quantify just 
what I felt like was missing when I moved to Heroes 3. So I've come up with the following points. Number one, peasants. In the early 2000s, my daughter was between ages 8 and 12, which were her prime playing of Heroes... Excuse me. Prime, her prime playing of Heroes 2. Uh, during that time, I was doing a, a serial checkout of the Heroes of Might and Magic 2 strategy guide from the local library. A serial checkout is when you keep renewing a book until you reach the limit, then put the book on hold before you can return it. So what happens when you return it is that they check it in, see that it, there's a hold on it, and put it on the shelf for you to pick up, which I would do <laughs> the same day. Interesting. Uh, I had this book on serial checkout for two to three years, and I would often <laughs> read sections of it to my daughter. Booked often often insulted peasants as being the most useless troops in the game, which they were. And my daughter uh, latched onto onto a perverse love of peasants. I even made a scenario which had a warlock castle on one side with a lot of resources to build it up, a knight castle on the other side with no resources beyond wood and stone, but access to lots of peasants. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't unusual to have a stack of 800 peasants after six weeks. My problem was designing, uh, in designing was that the warlock would try to come over and start collecting peasants. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, first, disappointing, first disappointment in Heroes 3, no peasants. Aww. Peasants came back on some forms of Heroes 4 and 5. Actually, I think they do exist in Heroes 3, to be honest with you. I was just thinking about this. I'm pretty sure they do. I don't think they're accessible very often, but I'm pretty sure they exist because there's like, there's the, uh, I can't think of the name, Giants? No, no they're called Giants. They, they sling rocks, but uh, they're very weak. They're very, very low-level tier. I thought Peasants were in 3, though. I could be wrong. Maybe uh, you're thinking of Pheasants. Yeah, right. Number 2. New and more factions. Heroes 1 had four types of castles, and then Hero 2 had six types of castles, plus the option to upgrade certain creatures. So when they made Heroes 3, they said, let's do two more castle types and make it as make it possible to upgrade all of them. But while the two new castles in Heroes 2 were awesome, the Wizard and Necromancer, the new castle types in Hero 3 were not so great. The Hell Castle, castle excuse me, the Hell Castle was kind of crap, with only the Hellhounds and devils being decent critters, and the Swamp Castle was utter crap, with the only decent creatures being the Hydra stolen from the Warlock Castle. Does anyone really need to get excited about Serpent Flies? Yeah, I'll agree with you on that, honestly. I thought um, I thought the Swamp in particular was just kind of eh. I tried it a few times and did a bunch of different strategies, but their final unit is just so eh. It hmm. just... It's just not that good. And you don't really get excited throughout. Like there, usually there's there's like a certain point when you're playing a, a faction where you get to a unit, and you're like, this is my top tier unit. Uh, this is my timing. This is when I really push and get aggressive. Da, 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 da. In, in, in this, in this um, in specifically the Swamp, you never really feel like that. There's a couple creatures that are kind of powerful, but you don't feel like you're so strong that you can just dominate the map. So I can agree with that. This is <laughs> th These games are turn-based, correct? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, very, very turn-based. Very long turn-based. They're like 10-minute turns a lot of times. Damn. Okay. Uh, let's see. Plus, while the upgrades in Heroes 2 were generally pretty cool, they all started to look generic in Heroes 3, Skeleton and Skeleton Captains. Now I want to play Heroes 3. Can you stop, please? <laughs> mummies and Greater Mummies, Gargoyles and Uglier Goggles. Wait, did I make that one last one up? Yeah, it, it does get kind of... It just kind of gets redundant at a certain point i agree with this because each day you can build a building so at a certain point you're literally just building the upgrade buildings they're super cheap and then i don't know i can agree with that I, I think it would be interesting if each faction had a select upgrades maybe like one unit is their powerhouse unit and you can get the upgrades for it i would agree with that i think it'd be kind of cool and they could balance it out to be something like the upgrade building requires resources that may not be uh, maybe something that your faction uses a lot of 
if that makes sense. So I, I can agree with that. I think this is actually pretty interesting. Uh, wait, did I make the last one up? I guess it doesn't matter. And actually, I don't even know if you did. I, I believe the, the parapets in, uh, I forget which one it is, the temple one have upgraded gargoyles. So uh, that makes sense. Um, you might note that the future versions of Heroes of Might Magic held a number of factions down to six. And while Hero... While Heroes 4 went to non-upgrade creatures, Heroes of Might Magic 4 got so badly reviewed that all subsequent iterations of Heroes went back to upgrade them all philosophy. Mm-hmm. Kind of sad, since the problems with Hero Might and Magic 4 were in other areas. Yeah, honestly, I tried 4. I did not like it very much. I was really excited for 5. A bunch of my buddies of mine got into it, and nope. Just gonna do it again. Uh, 3. Speaking of factions, I never liked that they broke up the familiar castle and rearranged the creatures into different groups. The Warlock creatures got almost completely broken up, and the remnants became the unrecognizable dungeon faction. Uh, this tends to be a continued for every hero in the game, which is kind of shame. Like I said before, every iteration of Heroes 2 since then has basically been exercised in rearranging the creatures. Heroes 2 is the original, as crazy as that sound. Okay, you sold me. I will play the second one for the next podcast. <laughs> I, I want to play Heroes 3, but I've played Heroes 3 too much, and I know which factions are really good so i'll give heroes two a try i'll start i'll start to look forward to it a little bit um number four i just like the art better in heroes two the cartoony look just adds to the cuteness of the whole thing the art may be objective and objectively better in heroes three but i feel that it lacks certain something i also realize that this is an entirely subjective plus probably due to me playing it first um i agree and disagree honestly there are a lot of games that i appreciate for the artistic style and like I, t- I talk to Lisa about this all the time. Like, I play vanilla WoW more than I play any other version of WoW. I've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours playing it. I love the graphics. I think they're absolutely complete. I think the things that Blizzard's added throughout the years are nice, but I love vanilla WoW. I think the graphics are, are complete. There's just something about it that just speaks to me. So I completely understand that you only have to explain it. Um, they go on to say, now I also realize that Heroes 3 made some changes that improved the gameplay, like the paper doll version of equipping heroes. Yeah, that's actually really true. Makes more sense. And the ability to garrison heroes and castles is pretty cool. I agree again, but also it's kind of bullshit because then when you go to attack somebody, they have a hero outside and inside, and it's just fucking annoying. Um, I also want to say that I'm not entirely stuck in the past. I've I have played and enjoyed almost every version of Heroes of Magic, Heroes of Might Magic as they've come out. Well, except the online version. That was kind of garbage. Kind of garbage is being nice. Honestly. Uh, okay, bad. that's it for now. I intend to write soon with my top five what the fuck moments, Father Beast. Thank you for the email. Uh, I, it's always nice to have to talk to somebody who has similar interests, in this case, similar obsessions. I, again, have spent hundreds of hours playing Here's My Magic, and I love talking about it. I love talking about the strategy. I love talking about the balance of the game. It's just a great game. I mean, I, I think it's one of the most it's going to be kind of corny because the game has the word complete in it, but I think it's one of those complete games I've played. It's just so fun. There's just too much to it. Well, I knew that you really liked these games, but I didn't know you were like such a huge fan. Oh yeah, I uh, I, I played the shit of these games. I remembered what I was going to say earlier during the very beginning of the podcast, but uh, which was uh, that I bought this one or my Here's a Might Magic Two. It was on sale on GOG for like two fifty or something. It was weird. You know, we he sent in this his email last week. And he talked a little bit about that, and he also talked about, or it was like some of his son's thoughts on the email that he sent us from him about uh, Deus Ex, the new Deus Ex game, or oh, yeah. not the newest, but like the new, like the first of the newer versions of Deus Ex mm-hmm. that came out. And like every one of, the, and I was like, oh, that sounds really good. Maybe I need to get that. And then like every single one of the games that we talked about from him went on sale in one place or another. So, oh, really? Yeah. I ended up buying the the Deus Ex game. Uh, I forget. I think it's Mankind Divided is uh, 
is the was the specific. They're supposed one. to be really good games. I've gotten into one of them and I enjoyed it for what it was, but I didn't. I wasn't obsessed with it by any means. Yeah, that the mankind divided was three dollars, so I bought that. Then here's might and magic was like two two was like two fifty. You know, I was like oh fuck it, I'll buy that. And then I had just bought the original Deus Ex like shortly before we had this conversation. And then I was like, since I was buying all those other stuff, I was like, well, Deus, the the first the very first sequel to Deus Ex is on sale, so I'll go ahead and just grab that one as well for That's like so two dollars something like that. So yeah, hopefully I'll get a chance. I've actually I've started playing Deus Ex. The, v, the very original one. Um, I haven't started playing the new one yet. If so. you need help learning to play Heroes of Might Magic, just let me know. Cause it, oh, is it, it hard is to a learn? steep learning curve. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't know oh, that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're like, realistically, your turn starts with, you have this open map view, and you can move your horse around, your, your hero around. Um, you can only move so far per day. Then you have to go into your base and build something. And then you can decide if you want to build troops or buy a secondary hero. So you can have multiple heroes in the map. It, it just gets, it gets to be a lot. And if right. one of your heroes gets caught out, you can instantly lose. Someone <laughs> can attack you. Like it's, it, it's pretty intense. So. so this is one of those ones where like you have to read the instructions before you play. Um, yeah, probably. Or at least I, I would, I mean, the campaign is pretty, pretty good about keeping you in line. I guess the best way to okay. put it, it doesn't let you completely fuck off. You, you probably won't beat the levels the first couple times because they're, relatively challenging but um yeah the game keeps you pretty pretty in check gotcha okay. god i want to play stop please stop. <laughs> you're killing me all right next email is from chase the night cleaner oh he says hello gentlemen chase the night cleaner here with a with a last minute email how are y'all doing and how has the show been so far uh yeah, pretty, pretty good. good yeah it's been a really good one pretty good one yeah if today's top five played out the way I think, then I feel you should change your show name to the classic Spoilers Podcast. That's so funny. Oh my God. <laughs> he sniped you, Robert. Holy <clears throat> shit. Damn, that was good. I kid, but when you decided to focus on top five what the fuck moments in gaming, all I could think is, that is a lot of plot twists to discuss. I hope it has been a good time so far. Honestly, I don't think we had, like, a lot of them had some plot twist elements or, or some sort of plot revealed, but I don't think we... Spoiled too many endings or anything. Maybe you did. Maybe yeah. maybe I did, and you didn't. Uh, yeah, I think just the only one I th- maybe did was Loom. Yeah. Uh, on my end, on my end, my wife and I are deciding to cut cable TV and just use streaming services. Wow, you are how many years behind now? I I would, except I my my wife still watches a lot of stuff on TV. I haven't had cable in six years, probably. Like, really? I, I don't even miss it in the slightest. Huh. And it's not to be like, oh, I'm so cool and ahead of the curve. It's just right. I cannot. Like, Cox, every freaking time I renew my service with them, they call me like, you want to you wanna get cable or, or landline? <laughs> like, dick, I don't. What the fuck do I want a landline for so I can get telemarketer calls? Like, yeah. Jesus. Anyways. Yeah, I hear you. I don't really watch anything on actual TV too much anymore, except for, uh, like, the Jersey UFC, Shore family no, except, tour. Except for UFC oh, and uh, like I've started watching a little bit of Formula One, and that's that's about it. Oh, cool! You know the Jersey Shore is back, though, right? Nah, I would rather Robert. Have, gotta get on that gravy train, man. I would have been much better off not knowing that. Thank you very oh, much. Oh man! On my end, so we cut TV. Uh, I did this through my entire university career, and for a few years before I was married, and I loved it. It has only gotten easier over time. Our yeah. device of choice to do that because we don't want to just hook up a laptop to the TV, is the Xbox One S. In three months, the device will pay for itself. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's true. 
Yeah. That said, is it the really? Is not cheap. Anyway, huh? No, yeah, it's, not cheap, it's way too expensive. That said, it is really weird to think about exactly what has changed over the years in terms of what we use, of, in terms of what we oh, yeah. use to consume media and how we play our games. I bet both of you remember the days of dial-up internet and rotary phones. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Or you know, even oh, landlines. Got a phone call disconnected. <clears throat> oh shit! Yeah. Who uh, who has a landline anymore? Thank you. $10 a month, and it's literally just so telemarketers can call you. If anybody yeah. wants to reach me, they have my cell phone number. Yeah, I got we got a landline, like, shortly after we gra- my wife and I graduated from college and got an apartment and stuff, and, like, yeah. that literally is only telemarketers. That yeah, so my, my parents complain all the time. Every time I'm at their house, they're like, oh, goddamn telemarketers call. I'm like, then disconnect the line. Like, it's like, what if somebody's trying to reach me? I'm like, you have a cell phone. Like, what? This is not complicated. <laughs> yeah. on, Do you remember having, like, two lines? Uh, oh yeah i had my own line at one yeah point. i did too at one awesome. point it was so awesome phone sex became possible <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you call up your friends <clears throat> yeah i had friends yeah. <laughs> um this brings me to my question of the day what is one feature of gaming from the past that you really miss in present day Ooh. i know what mine would be um, <laughs> like playing with my friends in the same fucking room. Yeah, that's a good one. Damn, that's a good one. Damn, that's a good one. I would say the game's coming as a complete item and not telling you that they're oh, going to send you DLC six months down the line <laughs> to complete the game. That is probably the most tilting thing in the world that I've seen. That's a good one. Oh, that pisses me off so much. Hey, we're going to give you 80% of the game. If you give us another $60, we'll give you the rest of the game. <laughs> what? Like, I was thinking about playing, uh, fuck, what was it? I was playing an MMO. What was it? I was playing an MMO recently. I tried it for the first time. I talked a lot of shit about it. What was it? Uh, World of I literally Warcraft. played like 12 hours of it. You there talk- was an MMO I was playing, and it, it was it was free for a week. Oh, it was Elder Scroll Online. Elder Scroll Online. Um, sorry to, to derail, but uh, I, I played it. it. It's a fun game. But holy shit, like, so it was free for the weekend, right? And then you, you can subscribe and pay the monthly whatever, $50, whatever, right? And so I was like, okay, like, it's kind of weird, but I get it, I guess. And then as I get more into it, it's like, oh, but you also have to buy the original game and you have to buy the first expansion in order to play the game. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, okay, so it's like $100. So that's not going to happen, right? And I'm like, fuck that. I'm not paying $100 to start a game that's pretty okay. It's fun. It's not amazing. And then... As you're playing through, you can only do certain things unless there's paywalls to do certain content. To PvP before max level, you have to pay money. Uh, to oh. u- level in certain zones, you have to. I'm like, what? <laughs> as soon as I got to point, I hit ten, which is like the usually like the, the gate, if you will, that unlocks yeah. a lot of content and a lot of MMOs. I'm like, okay, so I hit ten, and I'm like, I want to PvP. Go to Q. It's like, oh, you must insert a certain amount of tokens. I'm like, oh, okay, let me uh, Alt F4 and uninstall this game right now. <laughs> like. You think for one second that I'm going to pay that? You can kiss my ass. Yeah. That's a good one. That's pretty bad. Oh, it's just so irritating. Uh, I, along the lines of do of like playing with your friends in the same room. Oh, yeah. That's such a good one. Also, that like there are so many games now that like have co-op, but only online co-op. And like you oh, yeah. can't play split screen, even though like it should be able to support I know. Screen. Trust me nuts. So yeah, all those things bother me. That's a good one. My answer for this is pretty simple. I miss games being complete on release. <laughs> oh wow! 
Dude, we are sniping him tonight, Holy dude. Shit. We are getting him good. Game companies can get away with a lot more shit now that they can patch a game even after it's shipped. That's that, because consumers allow it, right? Yeah. If we weren't yeah. buying the products, they wouldn't do it. So stop buying it. Yeah, stop that's pre-ordering like, also. about the Battlefront 2 thing. It's like, don't fucking buy the game. Like, just tell them to go shove it. And then when they start understanding, it only took them six months, but Jesus. Yep. That shit, that shit didn't fly in the 80s and 90s. If you have a broken game, word got out and it didn't sell. I feel like patch culture has made for a much more forgiving audience. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think we... Absolutely. I think clear. without question. And that Anybody is who doubts that is nuts. Yeah. And that's it for me, gentlemen. Thank you as always for this amazing show and wow. this amazing part of the Locked. show. It was. You do great work. Keep it fun and talk again soon. Cheers, Chase the Night Cleaner. You too. Thanks, Chase. All right, this one is from... Uh, I'll read this one because it looks like uh, we got another Father Beast one right after this one. Cool. So uh, this one's from Casey. Casey says, Hi guys, uh, thanks for putting this podcast together. For some reason on my player, Android Oreo with Beyond Pod, trying to seek... Uh, let me see. Trying to seek in the stream will end the podcast or it will jump back to the beginning, but the track location will say it's in the middle. It makes it really hard... To get all the way through an episode, has anyone else had the same problems? Let me give you Robert Ring's phone number so you can call him. <laughs> no, I have not. I mean, I, I use a, I have an iPhone, but I have not had any. You, well, you've got an Android phone, don't you? Have you had any issues? Yeah, I've, I've listened to the podcast through the website a few times. But oh, so you don't listen to, to You don't? Okay. Playing on the website or with iTunes works fine, so it must be something specific to Beyond Pod, but I haven't had this issue with any other podcasts. Ow. Can you check your software and coding settings maybe? And see if you can fix this. I'll contact Beyond Pod Developer too. Thanks, Casey. I don't think there's anything that I can like. We I just upload an MP3, and that's it. Why not an MP4? <coughs> huh? I said why not an MP4? What year is it? Because we go. Because we, we ain't got video, bro. Just kidding. Um. Yeah. I don't like. I don't think there's anything else to it on my end, Casey. I'm sorry that you're having that issue. That is really weird. Excuse me. That it's only on hours, but uh, yeah, like literally, my, we uh, I record it. It's an MP3. I upload it to uh, this to the server that our website is on, and then the um, the podcast like the podcast apps and all grab it from there. So yeah, I'm so I don't I can't think of anything that it could be on my end. So uh, sorry, Casey, but I'm glad you're able to find other ways to listen to it. Uh, next one. All right, so we have a second email from Father Beast. Father Beast says, Hi, Father Beast here. This is an odd top five list to be doing, especially since you didn't give any guidelines to just what a what-the-fuck moment is. We actually kind of did that intentionally, to be honest. We wanted to get people's different understandings of it. I mean, Robert and I sort of, we, we kind of experienced that as well when we were going through our lists. We had some horror ones. We had some sexual-oriented ones, which were weird. We just had some all-around odd ones. So um, I think it was really just open to anybody's interpretation. Uh, as for myself, I like to make a distinction between what-the-fuck moments and holy shit moments. <laughs> uh, okay. That said, I had trouble coming up with such moments, and my list is a mix of the two. I'm suppose, I, I suppose I'm not so much into narrative stories and more into games where the gameplay is the story. Okay, I think you That's and I a, might be the same person. <laughs> I think, I, really? Because I, like I feel like that describes me, but not you. Interesting. I kind of feel... The opposite. I feel like at okay. times it describes me more than you. I guess 
I'm thinking of point and click versus RPGs. But I guess RPGs well, are RPGs are very story focused. Yeah. Well, as point and clicks are also. In that case, yes, I definitely do. But I'm thinking also like of games I like, like uh, your. I think, your I think we both are just kind of in the middle here, actually. Maybe so. Yeah. It's <laughs> fine. Um, <laughs> if I want plot twists, I'll watch a movie or a TV show. Also, by the very nature of the list, every entry contains a spoilers. Oh, yeah, Robert and I experienced that earlier. <laughs> More spoilers. Uh, okay. So if you haven't played the games involved, I don't care about spoilers myself, but uh, but I know some people get freaked out by them. I'm interested in how you will handle this. Will you just ignore that there are no that there are spoilers as I would, or will you water down the la- down? Excuse me, sorry, my Or will you water down the last so you won't actually talk about the what the fuck moments in order to avoid spoilers? No, we'll definitely talk about. It. We'll just give like a little heads up, to everybody. Um, so yeah. heads up, everybody. Heads up, everybody. Uh, spoilers. I mean, next it won't thirty be... minutes. What'd you say? Oh, next... for the next thirty minutes, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, it won't be that cool to say that in my top five games with what the fuck moments are Final Fantasy 7, 10, 13, 8, and Chrono Trigger. Wow. Wow. Uh, but I won't say where the moments where the moments were. Anyway, my top five what the fuck moments and holy shit moments in the game are number five, Space Quest 4. Hmm. Uh, this one, wait, I'm going to read the. I mean, it won't be that cool to say my top five. Okay, sorry, I just wanted, I just wanted to read the last part. Uh, Space Quest 4. This is one of my. This one is from the very beginning, since I haven't gotten any further into the game uh, than that. Right at the beginning of the game, you jump into a time warp and find yourself somewhere else. Breaking the fourth wall, you look up at the title bar and see that you are no longer in Space Quest Four, but in Space Quest Twelve: Bullhole's Revenge. Oh too. yeah. But my mind was blown, and I couldn't imagine how such a thing was even possible. Like I said, I haven't played through it, but I under, uh, But I understand that such meta jokes are rife in this game. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, in Space Quest Four, like as you progress through the game, you jump around two different space quests, so you're not always in Space Quest Twelve, but That's you're very like, clever. Yeah, it's, it is pretty neat. That's actually super cool. That gives another new appreciation for that. Yeah, it's pretty neat. All right, what else we got here? Uh, number four, Starcraft. Playing huh. the Star the Terran campaign, there is a time. That you win one scenario and then discover Arcturus Manx has arranged for Sarah Kerrigan to be overrun by the Zerg, which takes place after you win. I wanted to cry. I played that scenario over several times in order to, to, to try and prevent it to no avail. <laughs> oh, I actually man. thought about doing the same thing, honestly, after I completed it, because I was like, oh, did I fuck up? Like, you know, was, was right. there another option? That's, that's a, a really that's a good, good one. one. Number three, Curse of Monkey Island. Uh, oh, nice. Curse of Monkey Island. Uh, so you work hard to get these pirate barbers to join your crew, and when you get everybody on the ship, they don't start sailing the ship as they should. Instead, they break into the music, yep. break into a musical number, and you have to say things, Robert. You have to say <laughs> things to try and get them to work. That's awesome. They write whatever you say for the next verse. When this happens, uh, when this first happened, back when I first played it, I was dumbfounded. I had no clue that such a thing could happen in a game. Nowadays, I just think it's awesome. Yeah, that was definitely one of the most fun parts of the game. Just or funniest kind That's of. It's very clever. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it really was. Number two, Portal. After going through this game with the Glados being kind of wait, excuse me. After going through this game with Glados being kind of weird and unreliable, all of a sudden you move on to the next thing, and she actually tries to kill you. Fortunately, I was able to survive using the skills she had been teaching me for the whole game so far. 
but that was just a special moon when all the rules of how to act were just thrown out the window. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. Number number one, Monkey Island. 2. Oh, nice! I like I like Father Beast even more, more and more every time. <laughs> At I write the end him. of the game, you are defeating the zombie pirate LeChuck when he says to take off when he says to take off his mask. I was like, what? He has a mask? Then he revealed that he's just normal guy underneath, and I was like, what? What? The whole premise of the game was that he was he was a revived corpse. Then you go around the corner, and you and LeChuck are little kids, and your parents are there to take you to the next thing. And I was like, ah, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, and uh, that's how the game ends. This isn't how it's supposed to be. Guybrush is supposed to see the bad guy defeated, reunite with Elaine, and make some jokes about paying 50 bucks for a video game. What the hell was this? This was so weird, it could be only redeemed by the beginning of Curse of this was so weird that it could only be redeemed by the beginning of Curse of Monkey Island. So there we are. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys define as what the fuck Father Beast. Definitely some that overlap. Good. That's a solid list, though. Definitely yeah, overlap from, from us. That's a good one from Monkey Island, too. That's a, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I remember when I saw that, I was like, because you don't really know, like, it's not really clear what's going on exactly, because on top of that, you you find out that you're you see that you're like oh you're, you're little kids at like a theme park supposedly but then as you're walking off the other little your brother who is supposedly LeChuck like looks at the camera and then his eyes like start like doing this like evil like kind of like electric stuff around him so it's like wait are they just little kids pretending oh, man, or is something funny. else going on so yeah that was uh that was a good one wow good okay. Thank you once again, Father Beast. Next one is from Ryan. Uh, subject line says, quick email while on vacation. We took a uh, quick family vacation to Washington, D.C. this week. So this may be short since I am typing on a phone screen. Slow and Oof. not as efficient. Wow, that sounds terrible. I'm so sorry, my friend. Most of my time when I've not been driving or trying to not kill three of the five kids we brought on this adventure, I've been playing Kirby Planet Robobot. Oh, that's pretty fun. While we were gone, I wanted an easy game that I could pick up and put down repeatedly without it being a huge interruption. So Bravely Default got put on the shelf because that didn't fit it. Because that didn't fit. As with any Kirby game, this is cute and fun. I'm really enjoying the mechanics with the robot as the robot picks up the powers that Kirby can from enemies. I'm about one-third of the way through the story mode, which isn't much of a story since no one is talking. Two of my kids have already beaten it, so it shouldn't be too difficult. Yeah, I've, I've been playing a little bit of uh, Kirby Planet Robobot as well. It is a fun game. I was watching a little of SRX, Speed Running Expo. Excuse me. And one of the ROM hacks displayed blew my mind. So much so, I've contacted the guy who made it to see if he would be willing to produce a couple more of the cartridges uh, he made earlier so I wow. can buy one. Communist Mario 3... <laughs> Is a Super Mario 3 ROM hack. Mario is a hero of the Soviet Union trying to defeat Bowser and capitalism. <laughs> the cool mechanic is that coins injure you. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's ha that's so funny. Your goal is to collect no coins through the game because of the lethal capitalism they represent. The game also features a death counter instead of how many lives you have. So the game keeps track of how many lives it takes to finish the game. I'm really hoping... Clever. That really is. I'm really hoping I can get the game in a red NES cartridge. That would make oh, my year. Oh, so funny. <laughs> 
What do you guys think of limited run games? Uh, this is capital, uh, like the name of a, of a company, limited run games. It's cool that they are putting games in a physical form, but I'm not so sure about the limited gimmick. Some of the games they picked to print, I think only sold because of the limited run. I think a lot of people uh, probably wouldn't buy them except for the potential collectability. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I haven't bought anything from them yet. Uh, I, I, I imagine I probably would some at some point. Most of the time, I don't hear about the stuff they sell until afterward. And they're like, oh, that would have been cool, but they're not selling that anymore. Um they're 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 the ones I'm pretty sure doing the uh, I think that's probably why this came up. They're the ones doing the the inside real doll thing. Oh Jesus! I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Oh no no no! That's not even them. That's I'm sorry. That's I am eight bit. So that's not even them. This is uh limited run games. They they do like physical copies of games that like don't normally have physical copies. So like they did one for um, Thimbleweed Park recently. Uh, you know that was a purely digital game. But like for the one year anniversary, they did some physical copies of it. Gotcha. And I think I think they might have done the same thing. There was a uh, Street Fighter like twenty fifth or I guess thirtieth anniversary cartridge that they came out with several months ago, just not not that long ago, several months ago, um, and it was like red or something like that. And then there was like even more limited, um, like glow in the dark green cartridges of it. I'm again. I'm not a hundred percent sure if that was limited to run games, but I think it might have been, or that might have been eight bit two. I, I'm just talking out my ass right now. Pretty much, that's what it comes down to. I do know that they make physical copies of games that are basically that are typically only in digital version, and they do limited runs of them. Um, for me, I'm not typical. I, I do like owning physical copies of like classic games because that's how they came out but for new games i don't really i yeah for yeah if it's a console game i most of the time will buy the physical copy if it has one like on launch but i don't care about like being like oh yeah i love this game that i bought on you know gog or steam or whatever i gotta make sure i get the physical copy just to have it when it comes out i don't really care too much about that unless there's something special about it you know it comes with something awesome and i like really love the game most of the time i'm not really i I don't really care too much personally it sounds like you kind of feel the same way yeah to be honest especially with newer games like physical copy i I used to kind of care about it i think the last game that i really cared about getting a physical copy is like final fantasy 12 i was like Hmm. oh wow okay yeah because i got like a special edition i'd never buy special edition anything Uh (laughs) pointless literally pointless well i don't know some of them are cool for me, for me. Okay. I just don't give a shit. Gotcha. I, my roommate, my old roommate was the type of person that would buy like three copies of Diablo 3 when it came out. Like the, the special edition, the super special edition, and then a regular edition, and then he'd buy one to you. And I was <laughs> like, well, fuck, no, thank you. All right. Okay, yeah, I just looked it up. The Street Fighter one that I was talking about, that was also I Am 8-Bit. So that everything I talked about basically didn't have anything to do with <laughs> limited run games except for just generic them doing physical copies. Um... Back to the email. Where we go? Okay. Now it's time for my top what the fuck moments in video games. Number five. Who is Zelda? As a kid, I thought at first that Zelda was Link, of course. It wasn't until I completed the game that I learned the truth. Link sucks so bad as a hero, he didn't even rate high enough 
to make the title of his own game. <laughs> that is true. Well, in some of them he makes he's in, in most of them, well, about half of them maybe he's got, he's in there, right? Well, you talking like a link to the past, I maybe mean, that's not, not really even, him. Per what about, se. Well, okay, Link's awake. Okay, maybe like 3. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, wait, no. Oh, zero. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Number 4. Conqueror fights a huge pile of crap. He literally is fighting a single pile of crap that serenades you. Damn, I didn't know about this. Gross, disturbing for a game on a Nintendo system, and hilarious. Although I'm grateful my crap doesn't sing to me as I flush it down, that would be a little Why? much. Why? That'd be so cool. I'm with. I'm sorry, I'm with him on this, and that would be a little much, I'm afraid. I'd love it. <laughs> I'd love it. All right, spoilers. A lot because of spoilers. A lot of spoilers coming up. Uh, possibly even Conquer was a spoiler too. Kefka wins and blows up the world. I couldn't believe that happened. Even worse, during my first playthrough, I didn't wait for Shadow and left him to die. Dude was a punk anyway and gave me some abandonment issues. The crazy thing was it was almost like playing a whole new game. That's a good one. Number two, Super Mario 3 was the big reveal in the movie The Wizard. <laughs> God, there's so much stuff that we... I know. The, the, I cannot believe that... Like, I can't believe there's this much overlap. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't one of mine on my list, but we talked about this. We still talked about it. Yeah. The movie was fairly lame and hasn't aged well, but it gave us the great one-liner about the Power Glove. Oh, yes. However, seeing the reveal of Super Mario 3 was amazing. I was 10 when I watched that movie and couldn't wait to get my grubby mitts on it. Yep. that's. I, I, I couldn't agree. imagine watching that and being like... I, I, I just, like, would be so frustrated because, like, at that point, games are so limited and that game is just something else. Yeah. Uh, number one. And, and the the cool thing about it, too, is that you didn't know that the movie was going to have Super Mario 3 in it. Like, all you knew that it was a movie about video games, like, this kid that's yeah. really good. And then, like, you get to the movie theater and then, like, it's actually a reveal because you didn't know about it beforehand when they showed Mario 3. And most of the time when they show video games and movies, they show some made-up bullshit game where the controller's right. upside down and they're shaking it vigorously like a, <laughs> like a drink shaker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so true. Yeah. Or like they are or like they have like a Super Nintendo sitting on top of a TV, but there's like no cartridge in it. And oh, they yeah. have like Genesis controllers. <laughs> controllers not connected. Yeah, oh, I love that kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number one, Samus is a girl. My little yeah, eight-year-old... My list. Oh, was it? Yeah, originally. My little eight-year-old mind could not handle those eight-bit curves. Oh, damn! No, nobody's good. Dude, right? Thank you. Once I found that, once I found out that if you beat the game fast enough, you get to see Samus in a bikini. You can you can bet what my next goal was. He wrote, "You can beat." You. He wrote, "You can." I think he mistyped. I think this was a Freudian typo. You can beat what my next goal was. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna let you know that probably wasn't. Time to take my kids to the Continental Breakfast. Not much there, but the boys love the donuts. Oh, donuts are great. Oh, stop. Hope oh, you guys God. have a great podcast. Later, guys. Talk about Heroes of Might and Magic and junk food. Please. They're no-nos. Donuts are one of my favorite food ever. Yeah, I haven't had donuts in a minute. Really? I have donuts almost every week. No, I'm talking like three months, probably. Damn, what's wrong with you? Dude, they're terrible for you. You kidding me? I don't exercise enough. Who cares? That's why I exercise, I so I can eat donuts. Physique, right? <laughs> All right. Here's one from Simon. Oh, nice. 
Simon says, greetings, Ray and Jobbert. Okay, nah, that just doesn't have quite the same effect as Jake and Blay. I'm just going to start going yeah. by Jobbert from now on. Jobbert. That's, I like it. Uh, lots of cool things to comment on from episode 101. I'll try not to make this as long as my episode 100 email, but no guarantee. Jay's I think this is probably longer. Kazoo. Say that again, sir? This looks like it's probably going to be longer. Ah, oh, that's fine. Uh, Jay's discussion of Banjo-Kazooie couldn't have come at a better time because I'd actually just been replaying the game myself. I played the final boss while listening to the podcast, which was a pretty fun experience. Um, I wonder if any of the other listeners have listened to you guys discuss a game while playing it. It's actually pretty rare to be honest. Um, It's sort of like having a commentary track, except you're just listening to some random dudes instead of anybody who actually had anything to do with the game. But hey, after 101 episodes of classic gaming discussion, I suppose you have as much right to record commentary tracks as anybody else, right? Yes. I'm sure there's a market out there for a special edition of Kingdom Hearts with commentary from Robert. Okay, I would <laughs> oh, buy that special edition. <laughs> That's a good I idea. would buy, oh, oh, it gets even better. Okay. Or Metal Gear Solid commentary by Jay. Again, I oh, would nice. buy that even though I'd be a part of it. That's good. Oh man, that's good. I have a memory like a sieve, so I'm not sure if this has been mentioned before, but the Banjo-Kazooie discussion made me wonder whether Jay has played Ukulele and what he thought of it. I have not. I think, Robert, you've talked no. about it. Was it you or Blake? Was Might have Blake? Been, I think Blake talked about it, but it was before it came out. Hmm. Oh, speaking of... Uh, Simon goes on to say, I was a backer, but I decided to wait for the Switch version, so hmm. I didn't play it till months after everybody else. That meant I heard a lot of negative things about it by the time I got to play it, so I actually ended up being pleasantly surprised and enjoying and enjoyed it more oh, nice. than I thought I would. That's interesting. Usually if I go into a game with like a really negative attitude, I it's very difficult for me to enjoy it, so it's, it's good for you, honestly. Uh, she goes on to say, but going back and replaying Banjo-Kazooie afterwards, I realized that Ukulele did a pale comparison. Banjo-Kazooie holds up amazingly well, and I feel like it would still be well-received if it was if it was released today. The only things I found annoying about it were the camera. Yeah, I mean, camera in N64 games was notoriously bad. Oh, right. Um, and that the 3D movement felt a bit imprecise at times. Again, N64. Yep, it's very true. Um, there's one part in the Click Clock Wood Winter where you have... That's, say that three times fast. Uh, where you, you have to maneuver through a tiny hole in the ice to resurface from swimming. And you lose air twice as fast water i thought it was fine but i barely missed the hole at the last moment and drowned which means i had to go back what i mean which means i had to backtrack through all the seasons and the ice excuse me and recollect had thank you and recollect 90 or so notes holy shit yeah that's what i was complaining about that's exactly yeah what yeah that's okay yeah that's right that's what you were saying notes um or so notes that i'd already collected so that i could get to the full 100 <laughs> simon says Man. Jay's right that there's a lot of collectibles to keep track of. Though wait for Banjo Tooie if you think Banjo Kazooie has a lot. And the fact that you have to recollect notes in uh, Jinjos or um, if you die or leave the world does not make it more difficult. It does make it more difficult. I, I don't think it really makes it more difficult. It's just kind of stupid. Like I don't want to put that in the category of difficulty because when I think of difficult things, I think of challenging things, things that make you get creative or come up with a, with a way to do it that you wouldn't otherwise do. Right. But like things like that are just tedious and frustrating. Sure. Like it, it deters me from wanting to play them. Yeah. Um, 
But at least the collectibles actually do something worthwhile and don't, ju don't just earn you some sort of stamp or trophy. That's actually true. Collecting all the notes and puzzle pieces before facing the final boss earns you upgrades that make the final fight much manageable. So at least you feel like you're getting something out of it. I also wanted to chime in about the Thimbleweed Park's ending. So spoilers ahead. Oh, nice. Spoilers okay. ahead. Um, after Ben's email in the last episode, one thing I wanted to mention is that, that it it's possible not to resolve all the character stories if you go ahead and do Dolores' final task first. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. That was what I did the first time, and I wondered if Ben did the same thing, since he mentioned not feeling like the characters got any resolution. I actually thought the ending was a joke at first, and that the game was going to continue after the credits. When it didn't, I thought I must have, have got the bad ending by not finishing the other characters' tasks. So I went back and did those. But nope, nothing changed. I did find it pretty disappointing, but at the same time, it was definitely a very Ron Gilbert ending. It reminds me of the ending of Monkey Island 2, and yep. even the Caves ending had a bit of a similar feel to it. I guess by this point, I shouldn't be really... I shouldn't have really expected a Ron Gilbert game to have a neat and tidy ending where everything was resolved nicely. It was probably still my favorite game of 2017, and I even pre-ordered the limited Run Games Switch <laughs> How version. How is this? We get you getting so much crossover in every single yeah. thing we talk about. That's so funny. I, it's, I, I promise everybody we did not plan this. Robert and I did not <laughs> review all the emails and go, oh, we should talk about all this stuff. So it's, we... I promise you, we are way too fucking lazy. On top of many other reasons, we are way too lazy. Oh, so, gosh. Um, I even pre-ordered the limited run game Switch version because I ha I'm a sucker who wastes money buying the, the same game multiple times. We were just <laughs> talking about this. <laughs> Holy shit. If you can guess what I had for lunch no. in your email, I'm going to freak out. It wasn't donuts. <laughs> it wasn't donuts. That's correct. Uh, next, I was surprised when you got 40 Winks for for your random game and neither of you had heard of it before i'm gonna pause you for a second robert were we supposed to play an additional game for the podcast this week no remember we're um that was that's the one that we're this game of the quarter okay good i was like oh shit were we supposed to play something else oh man i didn't think about it okay, do, you, do you remember that you yeah. remember that right yeah 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 I do. Okay. my brain's a little bush right now Okay. Uh, this game was actually in the news only last month when there was a Kickstarter to release physical carts of the Nintendo 64 version, which was developed in 1999, but never released. Considering how much you love Kickstarters and everything, I would have thought for sure you'd be the first two to throw your money down on the limited no, $150 no tier. What would you say? So no more Kickstarter for me. Yeah. Um, $150 tier where you get a special collector's edition colored cart, a box, a poster, a controller which looks like just a regular N64 controller with stickers on it, and a hog? Oh man, great story this week. So I was talking, there's, uh, I have a new person who's working for me right now, and I made a reference to pogs, and they were like, <laughs> what? And I was like, pogs, you know, like in the 90s when you, you know, you have collect those things in a slammer, and they were like, what? <laughs> like, I explained to them whole point of pods and by the end of it they were more confused by the fact that people actually spent money on this <laughs> i think we all are in retrospect oh yeah pogs were the dumbest thing i had an eight ball slammer just saying that thing uh, was wait what was the eight ball slammer was it just look uh, like an eight ball yeah but it was really heavy remember the slammers were really heavy yeah like really i had heavy. i had a slammer that was like probably like three inches tall when you said when you said it really? down. it was made of brass yeah oh my god no jesus yeah no nobody ever nobody did a graphic oh that's okay i think i had one because i remember 
like eight ball slammers being a thing, but I don't remember what oh, they look like specifically. Popular. But like nobody I would ever mixed up with people. Nobody would ever this this one that I had this giant slammer like on the top it had like a tic tac toe looking like design and it had like skull it had like skulls in the spots instead of X's and O's. But uh, I remember like nobody none of my friends would ever let me use it because they were afraid I was gonna like bend all the like you put dents in all the pogs. Oh yeah, because I mean the regular pogs what were they made out of plastic? Uh, cardboard, I believe. Yeah, I was thinking cardboard, but I thought that'd be way too stupid. No. Yeah, you throw a, bla- a brass slammer <laughs> down, you're gonna fucking dead that thing. That's too funny. We get derailed so easily. Anyways, <laughs> sorry, everybody. Um, let's see. Then again, I heard the company was avoiding answering questions about how legitimate the whole thing was and whether huh. they they had the actual source code or were they dumping the leaked ROM onto carts. But they didn't get shut down and managed to raise $131,000 for their initial $20,000 goal. Damn. So it looks like it's actually happening. Maybe. I mean, it's a Kickstarter, Kickstarter, so probably not. But hey, we'll see what happens. So that was Spoilers. Just, she, says that was just, <laughs> she says that was just last month that they, that they were talking about that. That's, once again, extremely weird that this is happening at the same time that we randomly put, chose that game. Um, <clears throat> Simon goes on to say, as for the top... What the exp- expletive moments in classic games? I don't remember putting that, Robert. Do you? I remember putting something else, but okay. Yeah, I thought it was the word fuck. Thanks. Yeah, here you go. Um, I wasn't sure if you meant it to be like mind-blowing plot twists or more like <laughs> this, this game's the most ridiculous thing the we've ever conceived. Yeah, it's literally open to interpretation. So however you, you received it, I mean, that's... Uh, Robert and I went at it two different directions. Robert gave me one example, which really did not make any sense, I'll be honest with you. Um, but it did help me spark my, my curiosity. Uh, but I'm going to start with the latter and just say Escape from Monkey Island. That's probably got the top five all in one game. I won't go into detail because I'm, I'm assuming Robert is going to play it at some point. Interesting. Um, yeah, so at some point. Say, yeah, I'll get to it. Yeah. Once it's released. Um, yeah, I mean, by all means. So let's just say if you think it starts off like like, excuse me, if you think it starts off like a pretty decent entry in the series, wait until you actually get to the get to Monkey Island. Words cannot describe the things you will see, hear, and do for the rest of the game. Oh, well, now I'm very excited about playing. I don't know if she means that in a good way. I think or... so. I mean, it's on her top five, right? Oh, well, maybe not. But she doesn't know if it's supposed oh, to be. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, she says the latter most ridiculous yeah. thing you ever can say. Okay, all right. That's, I right. don't want to reread that to you because I don't want to give you any spoilers. Yeah, I will. will uh, now, I'm, now I'm even more intrigued. I, I kind of vaguely remember hearing that this is not a great Monkey Island game, but this makes me actually kind of excited about it. On that note, I'm looking forward to hearing Robert's thoughts on Curse of Monkey Island, and if he ever does get around to Escape from Monkey Island, we'd better get a Kingdom Hearts level rant, or I'll be severely disappointed. Oh wow! Okay, so it's supposed- yeah, Robert, that's not good for you. Good uh-huh. luck. I'm more I'm more excited now knowing that it's apparently this bad for some somehow. All right, awesome. Thank you, Simon. Oops. All right, next one is from Jonathan. Jonathan says, uh, "Oh, the subject line is real doll versus honey pop." Oh God! Don't encourage him. Here we go. I, I'm, I'm already excited about this. Hey, guys, these episodes keep sneaking up on me. I guess grad school will do that to you. Anyway, a quick hello. 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 Rob, 
It's cool that you got Xenogears as a birthday present. That game has an epic story, great visuals. Yeah, I'm, I've been really surprised with the visuals. Uh, awesome mechanics and a legendary soundtrack. You probably already know, but unfortunately, funding was cut near the end of the project. We were lucky to get a game at all, but the second wow. disc is a letdown. Spoiler. Oh, I didn't know that. Jay, did you ever Hello. play Monster Rancher for PS1? No, but I've had it recommended before, I believe. This game, I, I remember we talked about this. Uh, Blake, I think, was the one who kind of was telling us about it. He says, I think it looks like Jonathan's about to explain what I was thinking about here. He says, this game had some really cool mechanics where you adopt and train a monster and then battle them to rise in rank and fame. But the coolest part was how you obtained said monsters. The story was that they are contained on magical discs found in the world. This translated to any CD you could find. We spent hours, sometimes inserting music CDs, other games, you name it. Each CD created a different monster, and some were super rare. Check it out if you haven't already. Interesting. There, there was something similar in the early 2000s, maybe mid-2000s, called uh, Scanners, I want to say. My little brother had it, and it was a similar concept. You had this device, and you would scan barcodes, and each barcode had a chance to have a monster in it, and then you would try and capture it. And it was very interesting because we'd be at the grocery store and like, you know, you'd scan a bottle of soup and you'd find like a weak monster and then you'd scan, you know, lettuce or something and there'd be something. <laughs> there, cool. you know? it, it was very interesting. I, mean, I, I, after a while we figured out the trick to it and it pretty much was boring at that point, but yeah. it was a very interesting concept. I definitely played a lot of it. I spent a lot of time doing it. That's neat. Uh, I got 40 winks. Oh, nice. And, oh, yeah, he, he said this out on Twitter to show us that he, that he got the game. I got 40 winks, and I'm looking forward to experiencing this gem with you. Fun idea to get the community involved. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I think this will be fun. I don't really have five what-the-fuck moments picked out, but I wanted to share one that blew my mind. I was watching a Let's Play by Game Grumps, a YouTube channel. They had completed the Pacifist playthrough. And we're now uh, attempting the genocide run. This is on. Um, this is on uh, Undertale. I, he doesn't say that, but that's that's that describes Undertale. Thank I think you for clarifying. Yeah. Uh, it is. It is really a fantastic watch for anyone who is wondering how downright creepy this game can get. They have commentary, which is pretty funny. In parentheses, he wrote, "I like SNES Drunk too." And then in parentheses again, he wrote, "He's probably reading this, isn't he?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we should have got him on to read it. Damn. That would have been so funny. Uh, anyway, the intro to the game is traditional. Is traditionally pretty slow, so the actual what-the-fuck moment for me doesn't occur until the second video towards the end. They are having a, a dialogue with Toriel. Yeah, that's a, that's, this is Undertale. Who acts as an easy boss battle before entering the main world of the game. She attempts to be a mother figure for your character and feels close. As the battle progresses, the guys continue to spare her which is how to complete pacifist run-throughs. You never actually attack anything. Also, the very ending of this, this is me talking, the very ending of this game, or at least the ending that I got is pretty what the fuck, like the final boss. Toriel starts out the battle aggressive and slowly loses steam as they continue to choose spare. Her attacks become disoriented and she shows a deep level of compassion for the player. They wait until, yeah, this, yeah. It's really well done. They wait until she is at her lowest, and then wham, an attack for 99999 damage. The ultimate attack. This game alone probably has a dozen what-the-fuck moments, but I really, really recommend watching this playthrough for some wow. crazy good times. That, that is a really good sell, 
honestly. Yeah, it is. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, thank you. And we got one more. And this one is from Jeff. I was going to say, there's somebody missing. All right. Hello, Jeffrey. Uh, he says, this week's top five is great. And I can't wait to hear both of you, both of yours and those of the emailers. Here's mine filled with spoilers. So if you're somebody who whines about 20-year-old games being spoiled, just fast forward. <laughs> Number five, Metal Gear Solid. This has been talked about on the pod before, but the Psycho Mantis battle was just so cool. I never thought anything that meta could happen in a video game. I think you've talked about this. this is the sniper, but a sniper? No, no, no. That, this is not the sniper one. This is oh. one where he um, like reads your mind, and everything you can do. He like uh, I forgot exactly how this plays out in the battle, but he knows every button that you're pressing, and uh, so like he automatically dodges whatever attack you try to do. Mm-hmm. And the way to beat him is you have to unplug the controller and plug it into the second slot. And then he can't read what you're doing anymore. See, see I, that is unbelievably cool. That is such a cool concept. I love, like, in my head when I when I, I like, when I was younger, I wanted to ever every kid wants to develop video games. But I was always like, man, it'd be really cool if you could do this mechanic, this mechanic. I right, guarantee right. you, somebody's like, say it again. I said, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say it, it's so interesting because you, as a kid, you come up with these bizarre concepts, right? You're like, this would be so cool if they implemented implemented this in a video game. I guarantee you, somebody was like. This would be a cool idea, but it can't be executed. And they were like, "No, here, we're gonna do it." Here it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like holy shit! Like that's that's so cool. Yeah, it's super cool. Number four, Bioshock. The Andrew Ryan confrontation scene was one of my favorite moments mm. in any game. I still remember the slack jaw way I stared at the screen, watching it all <laughs> unfold. I actually don't know this reference. I I, I know the game obviously, but I've, I've never. Uh... It's um basically you find out this is obviously a spoiler um so like th- all throughout the game when you're playing it there's this guy who is he's actually a, a a bad guy but he's like talking to you over the radio and and he's like basically acting like he's a good guy and he's trying, he's like walking you through and telling you what to do and do this and that and um he says uh like whatever he talks to you and like requests something of you he goes would you kindly, you know, come open this door? Would you kindly yeah. activate this? Would you kindly uh, go, you know, like do this and that? And then what you find out in the end is that you have been programmed to whenever he says, would you kindly, then like it forces you oh to my do God, whatever he tells chills. you to do. <laughs> oh my God, that's so creepy. Fuck yeah. No. And it, and, it, and it actually explains part of the game that's kind of confusing at first because the first thing you do when you get to this place and you don't know what's going on, you walk up and there's this like big syringe. Yeah, and it supposed, I, pl- I played the very beginning. Okay, and he says like, would you kindly, you know, inject this to yourself? And the guy like picks yeah. it up and just jams it into, your, into his arm and you're like... What a mind fuck. Oh, man. Yeah. That would have sent me to the Shadow Realm. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, that was a, that was this, a really this, good we're, we're only two in to this You can't even handle it. Parts, letting you know. <laughs> um, number three Castlevania Symphony of the Night it wasn't fully organic but after beating the game and getting the blah ending I went online to find out there were more endings I didn't read an FAQ but when I did figure out how to beat the boss the right way to to only to discover an entire additional castle to explore oh, wow. in my mind especially the upside down aspect and how it kept making me reflect on the brilliance of the level design. Yeah, that's a solid one. That is really good. I didn't know about that. Oh my god, this list is getting Oh, this list does not end well. Uh number 2, Chrono Trigger. 
this was the first RPG I ever played. Wow, dude, that's so shitty. You just set the bar so <laughs> high. Oh my god, that's insane. Ugh, it's been that's like having that sex high. with like a something. I'm not gonna go there. Anyways, uh, this was the first RPG <laughs> I, I ever know played. What you're about to say. Nope, 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 nope. So I had no expectation about how long it might be or how complex the story might be. I thought when I got to Magus that he was the final boss, and with the music, uh, scenery, and his attacks. With their animations, I was totally blown away, and it could only be and it only reinforced that belief. When I defeated him, only to realize that he wasn't fully evil, and then to have my time jump, and then learn about Lavos, I mean, it was just a whole lot of overwhelming what the fuck. Number one, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this as my number one for the night because uh, this is my number one what the fuck moment from these lists. Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> After playing and absolutely loving Final Fantasy VII and Tactics, I was trying really hard to give this game the benefit of the doubt, despite excuse me, uh, its wacky story and obnoxious characters. Wow, that's a really perfect way to nutshell this game. Uh, especially Squall. Wow. <laughs> I've never heard nutshell used as a verb, but I think you did it right. Thanks. Uh, but when the scene at the orphanage happened where you realize that they all grew up together with the main villain as their caretaker and none of them remembered it, <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I vividly remember throwing down my controller and cursing at the game. Fuck Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've heard I that before. Short, oh, well, sorry, dudes. Jeffrey, Actually, Jeffrey, in comparison to everything else, it's actually pretty damn short. But again, not complaining. Send us the longest emails possible. We'll read them. Yep, we love we it. We, we love the longest possible. Thank you to all... Yeah, thank you guys so much. Seriously. Yeah, thank you, everybody. These were... These were super fun as always. Uh, don't forget, next episode we're doing the top four games that we feel should be uh, out of the finalists that we feel should be... Jesus, uh, how you worded this. <laughs> I tried my best. Of the 12 nominees, Robin and I are picking four. There you go. Yeah, 12 nominees for the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Once again, I got the list pulled up uh, real quick right here. Asteroids, Call of Duty, Dance Dance Revolution, Final Fantasy VII... Not eight. Half Life, John Madden Football, King's Quest, Metroid, Minecraft, Miss Pac Man, Space War, and Tomb Raider. Pick four that you think should go into the hole. Hearing that list again, man, most of those. I have very few issues with this list. Like the first year we did this, I remember I was just baffled at some of the. Oh, same. This one is good. Yeah. It's re- it's re- I think for the most part, they've been doing a, a, a really good job. I can agree with that. I mean, like I said, the first year was a little bumpy that we did it, but but since then, I, yeah. So send us those, or send us whatever you feel like talking about. Mail at Classic Gaming, huh? Mail at ClassicGamingPodcast dot com. We got M A L E. Yes. (laughs) Current gaming subcast. Do you have anything? Um, oh, like I I kind of talked about it. So I tried Elder Scroll Online. Oh right. Oh, that was recent. Okay. Yeah, it was like, I think it was between, I think I was downloading it as we were finishing the last podcast. There was a free weekend for it, and I'm, I'm a big MMO person, and I like to give every MMO at least a shot, because just, you know, you never know if you're going to find something that you just sink your teeth into, and it, right. we like it, right? So I tried to Elder Scroll Online, and I, I played it initially. I played it when it first came out, and I fucking hated it, along with everybody else. The the game when it first came out was essentially Skyrim in an MMO universe. And on paper, that's that that what everybody wants. Yeah, that's what right. That's what everybody wants, right? But then you start playing, and you're like, well, this game's really focused on the single player. There's very little interaction with other players, and the overall just feeling the game is just kind of 
eh, like there's just no point in playing it online. It, it just it just didn't it wasn't good. It just didn't capture you. It didn't encourage group um, activities. The end game was eh, just like every other MMO. It was just bad. So they they did some some regrouping. They re I believe they did a re-release in the game, or they just did a, a massive update. The game's definitely better. Um, don't get me wrong. The game's definitely better. I fucking hate paywalls. I hate paying for stuff. And come on, these MMOs, just please stop doing the monthly subscriptions and paying for the game. Pick one of the other or just do microtransactions. Don't triple dip or double. Actually, this is triple dipping. They have the main <laughs> game, the expansions you have to buy, the DLC and paywalls. They got everything. Like, it's 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 so frustrating. And it's, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't really like stuff like that. And... When I play an MMO, I really don't want to be limited on the amount of money that I'm spending on it. Get uh -huh. out of here. That model died a long time ago. Just stop. But apparently the population is pretty decent from what I, what from what people are saying. So people are enjoying it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So actually, I will say one thing. The story is good. Um, you, you, It's a very, um, very you-oriented story, which I'm not a huge fan of. I, I don't like being the hero. I like being the heroes. That's why I love uh, WoW's lore, because they always say, early on at least, they say the heroes when they're referencing, you know, a group of people. Whereas in this game, you are the hero, you are the badass, you are the one doing everything. And they developed this story, and it's actually pretty good. It's it's not awful. There's a lot of downtime in it. You do a lot of these, like, really meaningless tasks or quests, um, which is kind of annoying because it, it kind of takes away from the quality of the story. Um which was kind of annoying. But the fighting was very fun. I, I did like the fighting because the... I'm kind of... I'm going to screw this up a little bit because I, I it's been a couple weeks since I played but you the talent trees were cool you have uh, you have a talent tree for your weapon so the different weapon types you're doing for your race for your class and there's one other one I think it's just like a general one I really liked it it was it was a unique concept that pulled a lot of elements from different different concepts that I've seen before uh, but executed it quite well the weapon one was very fun so you could get uh, different abilities that you could use or passive type abilities mm -hmm. that would uh, impact or, or uh, benefit or buff your, your uh, weapon skill or that type of weapon. Then your class obviously has uh, different abilities. And I was running this this build that I had this charge ability. I was like charge charge type abilities because you get in there, right? You're in there like swimwear. So it's just super fun. Mm -hmm. uh, the cool thing about this is the game scripted it well enough to where if you can charge somebody who's at a higher elevation than you. In most games, when you try to charge somebody who's higher elevation than you, you do this weird thing where you run around very, very quickly and get to the opponent. In this one, no, you you are going at them. You are going up there. And it's fun. And it makes it very it, – it's just kind of exciting, and you just kind of destroy things. I, I just went for a build that was, how much damage can I do? All right, here we go. Nice. <laughs> and uh, it was pretty fun. I, I Again, I will say the DLC, the paywalls, all that shit – not DLC, but expansions – completely turn me off this game and I, I will not try it again even if it goes free like it's just yeah <laughs> gotcha um i've been playing a little bit of surviving mars oh is... have you oh yeah. i'm so jealous i've been thinking about buying this game oh really oh it's made by the guys who made uh, don't starve right clay no you say oh really yeah. Oh, okay. It's oh, it, it's always recommended when I'm playing Don't Starve. I just assumed it was the same creators. No, no, no. It's not made by them. Um, it's I don't remember who made it. It's published by Paradox, who are the developers and publishers of Europa Universalis and all and okay. all those. But but they did not make this one. They're just the publishers of it. And I don't remember what studio made it. But uh, it is you are sending a mission to Mars, basically to like 
just kind of mine parts of Mars and, and earn money. And set up a colony there. Or I guess I, I guess that's really the, go, the goal, is to set up a colony on Mars. And you, sh- you send up a ship, and it's, it's even from, like, right from the get-go, it's got lots of customization, like, where, like, what, who's funding your mission, and, like, who is the leader of your mission, like, different types of leaders, like, give you different perks uh, to, like, you know, stuff, you know, that makes your mission better, and then, like, ba- basically which place you're choosing to fund the mission, essentially, it, it gives you some stuff. But mostly it, it gives you like a certain amount of money. So it's almost kind of like that's the difficulty is choosing who you're going to have fun the mission. And uh, so you send a rocket to Mars. And when it, when it first gets there, there are no people on the rocket. Oh, you also you also choose what you're taking with you, like what uh, what resources you're taking with you, what equipment you're taking with you, what kind of uh, uh, prefabricated buildings you might be taking with you. The uh, you choose a place to land. And you, there are no people at first. It's all these little rovers that go around. Well, they call there. There are rovers, and then there are like drones, which are basically miniature rovers. And the drones do most of the work. The drones basically do all of the work, except for like a few little things that some of the rovers can do. And you're trying to set up. You're trying to get your colony set up. You're setting up uh, first, like solar panels and and wind uh, things to like harness wind energy. And then setting up like the infra- the infrastructure with like the power lines, and then of course like the buildings that make things happen. Like oh, here's a building that we're gonna put here to extract stuff to make concrete from the dirt, or you know from from the from the surface of the, or you know from below this from right below the surface of Mars. And then over here we're gonna set up a water extractor because there's water on this spot we can see, and then uh, there's there's iron that we're going to to gather from various little deposits all around the map. And you need all those. It's kind of like you need to get things to build more things type of loop. And so, so where does this game get difficult? Well, it gets difficult once you start getting people onto Mars. So eventually you can, you can, uh, you, you will launch another rock. You'll eventually you'll build a dome, which is where people live. And even inside the domes, you choose what buildings are going to be inside the dome. So you're like, have like you know some living quarters and then maybe sure. like a store for them to go shopping at and then of course like you know stuff that they do to be productive like here's like the obviously they have to have farms in there so they can produ- produce food Makes sense. um and then like factories that make electronic parts or you know or whatever it might be that you want them to make and uh and the electronic parts are you know parts that you need for other types of buildings on Mars and it kind of just kind of keeps going and going like that and so Eventually, you get to the point where you're like, "All right, I've got, I've got a uh, good water supply. I've got good enough electric. I've got enough electricity. I've got um, oxygen. We're, you know, getting oxygen from, you know, uh, f- from the water as well. And I've got all the supplies set up. Now we can send people there. So you send another rocket, and uh, you choose like who is going to be on the rocket. You have like a pool of applicants, and you go through, and you can you can say, "All right, I don't want anybody who." has this trait or that trait. I do want the people who have this and that trait. And eventually you you narrow it down to 12 people and you launch the rocket and it comes and then they, they land and they inhabit the, the dome and they can also do other jobs that are like very short range outside of the dome. And that's, that's it. And so they're doing jobs. And then at this point you're trying to balance 
making sure you know that there's enough uh, you know water, air, and electricity still. Trying to expand while also keeping all that stuff going up. Uh, making sure that that they're farming enough food, and then also that they're producing enough new things so that you can keep building the colony bigger and bigger. And then what happens is uh, your two rockets, you can send those back to Earth. Once you uh, produce enough fuel, you kind of produce fuel through other resources and stuff like that. And then you can send those back to Earth to, to, to load up and bring you more stuff back again. So you can bring wow. back uh, more like resources and more parts and more prefabricated buildings and more drones and more rovers if you want. Those all cost money. Or you could have an, or you could have like another ship come back with more people if you have room for more people and then that'll come back and like the people might eventually start having kids, kids and stuff. And it, uh, eventually there will be like disasters. So there might be like a really bad windstorm that knocks out a bunch of your power or there might be a, uh, like a meteor shower that like, you know, starts destroying buildings and that kind of stuff. And eventually like stuff starts breaking down as well. So you got to make sure like you're keeping up on maintenance on everything. So it becomes a, a matter of like, Basically making sure that your people continue to have enough food, water, and air throughout the whole course of, you know, your, your colony or, you know, even through like all these natural disasters that might happen and stuff wearing down and breaking and all that kind of stuff on, on, I've done, I've only done one playthrough so far and I'm, and I, and I'm, I had a, I had a lot of fun with it. There were some issues. There were kind of some little buggy things, but they've they've been releasing a lot of patches that have really worked most of the kinks out. And um, my first colony died because, like, I didn't plan out very well. I didn't plan ahead very well, and I didn't have, like, a lot of the resources and a lot of the parts that I needed, and I didn't have a good way to produce more of those. And so, like, eventually all my stuff started breaking down and my people slowly like suffocated to death because Jesus. my uh, oxygen supply ran out. So that, that sucked, I guess for them, but uh, it was, uh, it was really fun. And like people might have breakdowns too and start like, you know, kind of going crazy. And sometimes if people aren't happy enough, then like whenever you, when you send a rocket back, like they'll get on the rocket and go home and just leave Mars. Wow. So, uh, yeah. It's, it's really fun. They're like peace. Exactly. And really, that's all I've been playing lately. I've just mostly been playing uh, older games. So I think that's all I got for the current gaming subcast. So that's going to do it, I guess, for episode 102. Once again, send us email, whatever you want to. Mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com And uh, a quick reminder, we t- I know we talked about it a little bit on this episode, but just to make sure everybody knows, the game of the quarter which we just started. Uh, we are going to be, we, we are going to, every three months, we're going to choose a game that Jay and I are both going to play. And, uh, and all of the listeners are welcome to play as well. And we'll talk about it on a, on a predetermined episode. We'll, we'll announce what episode it's going to be before time, before time. Is that beforehand? Uh, before time. <laughs> well, that's what episode it's going to be beforehand. So you can have time to kind of gather your thoughts and write in, but it will be, uh, sometime around the end of June. We'll, we'll, we'll say specifically when we get closer there, we know what our schedule looks like, but sometime around the end of June, we'll, we will be discussing our very first ever game of the quarter. And the game of the quarter this time is 40 winks for PlayStation one. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. 
Send us emails, play 40 weeks, and we will see you guys in two weeks.